Blog Talk Radio. Review. This is Monday night, October the 7th. Can you believe it's October already? Wow. And uh, we have a, a big show in store for all of our listeners. Joining me tonight as co host is Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Uh, thank you, Sharon. Uh, pleasure to be here on a Monday night. Going to help out a little bit here. Yes, and I do appreciate it. Sal had some things with work that he had to do tonight, so he is not able to be here, but he should be back with us uh, hopefully next week, and uh, we'll be able to uh, have him back on the show next Monday night. And, Jay, I know you'll be back Thursday night for our preview show as well. Um, Let me go ahead and do... Okay, we're getting some background noise there. I'm not sure what that is. Okay, let me go ahead and review our schedule here for tonight. Uh, We're going to go ahead and talk uh, in this first half hour, Jay and I will do the review of the Canon Pro Series East Race at Dover International Speedway this weekend, as well as the Arca Menard Series Race at Lucas Oil Raceway. At 9 o'clock, our guest is the winner of that race, Chandler Smith with Venturini Motorsports. Man, what a season Venturini Motorsports has been having. This is the fifth win just for Chandler Smith, uh, not to mention what all of the other drivers have done this season. Uh, so really fantastic season. He's a big part of that for Venturini Motorsports, and we'll talk to him about that at 9 o'clock Eastern time. At 9.20, uh, Jay and I will get into the Xfinity Series race at Dover, And at 9.40, we'll finish up our uh, preview show with the Cup Series race at Dover. Now, for both of those segments, we will have post-race audio from the race-winning team. And uh, that's both for the Xfinity Series and the Cup Series. So we're talking Cole Custer as well as Kyle Larson. Also, at 10 o'clock is our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. Uh, Andy won't be able to be with us tonight, but Jay... You and I will kind of carry the load for the hot topics, and we've got some left over from Thursday night, so it should be a full full agenda there. I was going to say, it'll be quite a load. You're right. We had a couple we didn't even get to last week uh, with the show uh, having some issues. That's and, uh, true. So, plus everything that's happened this weekend at Dover, which is a lot we got to cover there. So, definitely going to be a full hour. Without a doubt. Uh, okay, so let's go ahead and get started. 
uh, Jay, with that Canon Pro Series East race uh, that was held at Dover International Speedway. This was their season finale, and uh, the the, the uh, race winner and champion for the season uh, did, did it all at uh, Dover International Speedway this week. Well, that's what, if you look at, at this uh, stats to it, 123 out of 125 laps led for that race alone, and he definitely put on the exclamation point that this was his season and his championship. Absolutely. Leading the uh, uh, practices, and then he went out and took the pole and, and led a lot of races. His crew chief was Marty Lindley, and Marty's uh, worked with a lot of really great drivers. And uh, he talks a little bit about how much he's seen Sam Mayer grow. This was a rookie season for Sam Mayer. And not only did he grow as a race car driver, but uh, he's just 16 years old and the youngest champion ever in uh, this Canon Pro Series. So that's pretty cool. Well, and we talked about that a little bit coming into this with the championship pretty much locked down, but uh, he definitely secured it this weekend with that final win. Oh, but he had to do we're gonna start, start. Yeah, we're going to see that more and more when you talk about the title of youngest ever because some of these guys coming up got some extreme talent, getting in some great cars like this that uh, GMS Racing provided him for this K&N series. Yeah, you're you're going to see some youngest ever records broken some more, I think. Yeah, here's another one that Sam Mayer broke. Uh, did you know he only had one finish that was outside the top ten <laughs> this season? And that was a race that he didn't compete in uh, the majority of, and that was at South Boston, one of the twin races there. But uh, amazing, only one top ten, only one race outside the top ten. All the other races were inside the top ten. You know, I know we talk about his stat line all the time. I did not realize that, that, that it was only the one finish. And you're right, that race started on a, a Friday or a Saturday night, I believe, got postponed due to weather, and he had another commitment and wasn't able to finish the race. So I don't remember mm-hmm. off the top of my head the driver that took over, um, but that that car didn't finish in the top ten. So that is quite amazing. You're right. Yeah, it, it really is, especially for a rookie. Uh, coming into the series. Uh, I'm curious. I know he's had a few um, uh, truck series races, uh, but uh, I think it would be good if we see him come back again uh, here in the uh, Canon Pro Series. What do you think the chances of that is? I was actually just looking for that um, to see if I could find what I read on that, I believe. The uh, plan is for him to come back and defend that title in the K&N East as well as, and for some reason, the number five is sticking out in my head of five truck races planned. And I'm sure that's not his entirety schedule because we've seen him run multiple ARCA races, which we'll get to here in a little bit as well. Yes, and I'm curious to know, since he's had such a great season here in the K&N season, uh, I wonder if uh, we'll see him at the uh, Snowball Derby this year. I think it would be great if he, he was able to do that. Um, the other thing is, being only 16 years old, though, he couldn't have champagne in Victory Lane. He had to have sparkling cider. <laughs> well, and that goes along with with that being uh, youngest ever. Uh, 
And I, and I think that's the only factor in what we're going to see with holding him up from going to full-time to, say, the Arca Menard Series or the Truck Series because, again, then they cannot compete at all the races. We've seen that with several drivers uh, once you're 18. So I think right now that is probably the only reason we don't see him move up to one of those full-time. That's true. Um, if we look at the race results for this event, uh, there were some other great finishes uh, in this particular event. Tanner Gray, another rookie, finished second in this race uh, for DGR Crossley, and uh, that was a great finish for him. Right behind him uh, is his teammate, Todd Gilliland, who finished in third, and Drew Dollar, <laughs> who finished in fourth. So uh, a 2-3-4 finish for uh, DGR Crossley, followed by Chase Cabray from Rev Racing finishing fifth. Well, and we talked about that as far as they were obviously going to be contenders. DGR Crosley has been very strong this year as they are building that Xfinity Series program as a developmental. And then Rev Racing, we talked about how what a uh, banner year they've had as well. Uh, obviously not the championship like they want that every team drives for, but they certainly have uh, – Nothing to look back on. Uh, you know, they had a great season as well. Without a doubt. Now, looking at the standings, Sam Mayer, of course, uh, at the top of that point standings, he had an amazing average finish, Jay, of 3.2 in those 12 races that he ran, uh, 11 of those races inside the top 10, four victories, three poles, just an outstanding season for Sam Mayer. But uh, behind him is Chase Cabray from uh, Rev Racing. He came in second, 39 points back. Tanner Gray in third at 53 points back. Spencer Gray fourth, also 53 points back. And Max McLaughlin rounds out that top five at 71 points back. Just seven points back from him, though, is Ruben Garcia, Jr., uh, also from Rev Racing. All right, and just to give you a quick update back here, I did find what I was looking for on Sam Mayer real quick. Uh, it's on okay. frontstretch, frontstretch.com. Uh, they will, GMS team will be back to defend their title in the newly rebranded Arkham Nard Series East next season. And in, um, Additionally, he'll compete in the Arca Racing Series Showdown, and we'll talk about that, I'm sure, in Hot Topics as yeah. part of the newly yeah. rebranded Arkham Menard Series Sioux Chief Short Track Challenge, um, and then five truck starts as well in the NASCAR Gander Outdoor Truck Season. So that's a, that's his total plans right now for next year. That's fantastic, and and I think he's uh, definitely going to ha- have a lot to look forward to. Uh, I think as fans, we have a lot to look forward to with Sam Mayer. Uh, and a lot of these other drivers, hopefully, that will get an opportunity to move up into the NASCAR ranks as well. Uh, the Canon East has been a very competitive series. You know, Derek Krauss was leading the point standings for a good part of the season. Uh, and uh, right now he's leading uh, those point standings in the West. Uh, and he looks like he's on his way to a championship there. Yeah, once he uh, missed a couple of races, I know he was still in contention, but as as you mentioned, if you got a driver finishing in the top ten every race but one, uh, you got to be there and you got to run well in order to compete with him. So as well as Krause performed in those starts that he did make, you know, it's tough mm-hmm. to not to be able to go head-to-head with him week in, week out. 
Uh, that's true. That's true. Uh, and I am looking forward to this newly uh, reconfigured Arkham Menard series that will encompass uh, the what we know now as the Canon Pro Series East and West. Uh, there'll be four championships that will be uh, a part of that. And as you mentioned, we'll talk in depth about that in the uh, hot topics tonight. But just a brief overview of that is you've got the regular Arkham Menard series, which is kind of Midwest-based, uh, but they will be reaching out beyond the Midwest uh, next season for 20 races. You've got the Arkham Menard series East, the Arkham Menard series West, which is right now the Canon Pro Series East and West. Uh, they've got a provision there that allows uh, car owners with the 2019 package to be able to be in that 2020 season. Uh, and then there'll be the Arca Menard Series Showdown uh, that will recognize 10 of the 20 races that are in the Arca Menard Series with their own championship. So kind of a championship within the series as well as the overall series championship. And the people from the Canon Pro Series East, I'm sorry, from the Arkham and Art Series East and West will be able to participate in that Showdown 10 race uh, series. So, uh, again, it sounds a little complicated right now. It's really not that complicated. It's very similar to what they're doing now, but it's all going to be renamed. And, again, we'll kind of get into um, – uh, a lot of that uh, as far as discussion in our Hot Topic segment. Yeah, I'll wait. I know uh, we want to talk about it so badly. Uh, we did already last week, but uh, we'll hold off and get into that in Hot Topics. But biggest point to that is, like you said, it's it's a expansion of the, the two series, combining them together and doing this jointly with the now Arkham Menards East and West as well as the regular Arkham Menards series. So, we have that to look forward to next year without a doubt. Yes, indeed. <clears throat> okay, I want to go ahead now, uh, Jay, and let's talk about the Arkham Menard series. Uh, that was a good segue there, getting into that. Um, and they raced this weekend at one, uh, a, a fan favorite track, Lucas Oil Raceway, uh, near Indianapolis. And uh, this is the next to the last race before their championship race that will take place at Kansas Speedway uh, on October the 18th at 7.30 p.m. Uh, Central Time. That would be 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And um, uh, for Chandler Smith, though, this was his last race this season. So five wins for Chandler Smith in the Arkham and Art Series for Venturini Motorsports. That's amazing. Absolutely. Another one that you talk about somebody having an unbelievable season, especially with the limited starts, as you mentioned, this being his last one. Uh, can't wait to talk to him when he comes on the show here at the top of the hour about his season and what maybe what his plans for the future are. Yes, yes. I would love to see him come back and race full time uh, because I think he'd be a championship favorite right out of the gate. Um, so Chandler Smith finished first. Uh, about lap 161 is when he took the lead from his teammate, Christian Eckes, who was leading that event. And the very next lap, Jay, uh, it started to rain. <laughs> and he was in the lead, so Chandler Smith uh, ended up with that victory. 
but nobody cares that it was a rain-shortened race. Uh, it's who was in the lead when that race ended, and that would be Chandler Smith. And I read where, where his quote talked about that, of the timing of that pass uh, and, it, and being able to make <laughs> it just before that rain came. You know, it's one of those, you talk about obviously a good driver having a very fast car, but sometimes just things play into your favor, but that's part of what, if you will, you build your own luck. You know, in that case, they had the car and they made the pass at the right time. Uh, you know, no different than if they'd have made it with a couple laps to go in the finish. It's, you know, timings, you know, you set yourself up in those positions. Absolutely. And you get the feeling, uh, and, and he'll kind of articulate this for us, uh, that uh, his team was keeping an eye on that weather and uh, letting him know uh, the best time to make that move. And he certainly uh, had good timing there with that move and going after that victory. And uh, it, it's pretty cool. Um, okay, Christian Eckes, uh, of course, uh, came in second. Sam Mayer, who won the Canon Pro Series East race, came in third in the Arkham Menard Series. Corey Heim came in fourth. And Haley Deegan came home with a fifth-place finish. All right. We've got to give a, give a little bit of attention to each one of those. We talked about Sam Mayer, yeah. obviously, coming from, from Dover on Friday to run here on Saturday. Again, in my mind, we talk about drivers that we've seen do that in the past are ones like Kyle Busch, Kyle Larson, Christopher Bell, these guys that do that, jumping from car to car, night to night, and the talent that we see out of them and the level they're at. And that's why I say I think we're going to see that out of Sam Mayer in the future. And to come home with a top five finish tells you that he deserves to be there as well. So a uh, great, great run yeah. for Sam Mayer, great weekend, which uh, you that, went back to not being able to have champagne and victory lane anyway on Friday. You know, it's probably best that he wasn't able to anyway. <laughs> probably. Uh, Christian Eckes came home with the points lead with his second-place finish as well. I think we should definitely make note of that as well. Okay, I was going to get to that side, that into the whole team there, but with fourth-place Corheim, Chad Bryant, another one, again, having a great season there. We have witnessed some building and some great things come out of Chad Bryant racing there with that number 22 especially uh, this weekend, fourth place by Corey Heim. And there then we get to the rest of the Venturini Motorsports. You mentioned Haley Deegan with a fifth-place run. Great showing for her. Your, what was the points leader, Michael Self, ended up coming home sixth. And you talked mm-hmm. about it already at the beginning of the show, that Venturini Motorsports as a whole just having a phenomenal season. And with that, you mentioned the, the points battle. The top two were Michael Self and Christian Eckes, five points apart. Now it's Christian Eckes and Michael Self with Christian Eckes with a 20-point advantage. Yes, and only one race left, Jay. So this is going to be pretty exciting to watch this race play out at Kansas Speedway in October later this month. And and that's one of the things I know we've seen in the past. Um, you can't predict every year, but this series does not have the playoff format that's instituted at NASCAR's top level. However, it comes down to it anyway. You almost are going to have to win in order to win this championship because 20 points is not a whole lot between drivers. 
No, it's not. Uh, and, and he was just five points behind coming into this race. Just to give you an example of how it's not that much. He was five points behind Michael Self coming into this race. He's now five points ahead. So a gap of 30 points that he gained uh, in that race. And uh, if Michael Self were to do that next uh, race at Kansas Speedway, it would put him in that championship seat, uh, and he's he's kind of been there for most of the season. Christian Eckes was there for, in the early part of the season. He missed a race due to a medical issue, uh, was able to come back and work his way back up to the top, so uh, big kudos there, uh, again, for Venturini Motorsports and both of these drivers being a part of that. Well, and it is something to look at of, of the pressure change between both drivers. Christian Eckes has been on the hunt all year, knowing he was behind that one race, uh, really put his nose to the grind and, and did what he needed to do. Michael Self has had a couple of problems, some of them mechanical, not of his own doing, uh, a couple where he admitted, you know, as a driver he made a mistake and cost the team. But he now is in that position of he has to essentially play catch-up or uh, hunt the front. So it'll it'll be a really good race there come Kansas. Yes, it will. And I think uh, fans, uh, if you can get out there to the track, uh, you want to be out there because uh, this is going to be a phenomenal race. Uh, as they wrap up their season at Kansas Speedway with this event in the Arkham Menard Series, uh, that will be it. And and it's kind of sad for us, Jay, because we've covered these series all season long. Uh, to see first the Canon Pro Series East, uh, next up will be the Arkham Menard Series, and then also in November, uh, in addition to NASCAR's Top 3, ending about mid-November, uh, you will find that the uh, Canon Pro Series West will be ending their season early in November. So um, the season is starting to really wind down here. The one thing I take away from that as as a positive to it, though, we've seen this in the past, is you might see some of those drivers that don't always necessarily have the capability to have multiple rides that they can jump to and fro, might see some of those names pop up now in the trucks or the Xfinity Series, especially since they're in their playoff stretch, that cup drivers can't come down to those series or drivers not running for the championship in those series how do I, i'm not putting that right in though in the 10 races yeah. there are only drivers that are competing full-time for the series points are allowed in those races right. now did i say it right, right. <laughs> okay <laughs> right um, they, can't, they can't run the other series they can only run the series in which they are running for a championship so some of the, some of those teams that we've seen cup drivers make starts for that can't come down you might be able to see some of these guys come up um, so it's an opportunity for them if they have that available to them. And, and I'm sure we will see that, especially uh, as we get to Phoenix. A lot of the drivers like to participate at Phoenix, uh, and I'm so happy uh, to see Phoenix uh, back on the schedule, uh, especially for that Canon Pro Series West. I believe that's where they're going to have their season finale, if I remember correctly. I do believe you are correct, yes. Yeah, so so that's going to be pretty cool to see. Uh, I remember in the old days, that's the way it was. I shouldn't say the old days. We're talking a couple of years ago. <laughs> 
that's the way it was. So it's good to see them come back to having that finale at Phoenix uh, on a national stage with uh, the Cup Series and everybody else being there. So uh, a lot to look forward to here, um, you know, with the Arkham Menard Series at Kansas and the Canon Pro Series West closing out their season uh, at Phoenix, uh, just as we just saw the Can-Am Pro Series East do at Dover this weekend with the Xfinity and the Cup Series on hand as well. So a lot of uh, great attention for these teams to be at those companion tracks. One thing here to tie in a couple of the things we've talked about here before our guest comes on at the top of the hour, Christian Eckes actually already has won a championship, if you will, as the Suchi uh, yes. Short Track. Make sure this one, too, is always Suchi Short Track Challenge. Uh, he picked up that title and locked that title down with his second-place finish at Lucas Oil Raceway. Uh, again, that's that championship within the championship. This year it was uh, set up as just the short tracks on the Arca Menard schedule. Next year it'll be part of that showdown we talked about where it will also include then drivers from the Arca Menards East and West. We've got a lot of practicing to do on all these name changes again. I know we went through it with the Gander <laughs> Outdoor Truck Series. Yes, the top five drivers, by the way, in the series point standings as it stands right now are Christian Eckes in number one at 45-60 points, Michael Self behind him at 45-40 in second place, Brett Holmes uh, holding on to that third place at 44-20, Travis Braden at 43-25, and Joe Graff Jr. rounds out the top five at 41-75. It should be noted, Chandler Smith, our guest that's coming on board here in about five minutes, is 10th in the series point standings. Uh, There were 19 starts available so far in this uh, Arkham Menard series. The 20th race will be at uh, Kansas Speedway, Uh, later this month. Chandler Smith participated in 11 of those races. He has five wins in those 11 starts, eight top fives, and 10 top tens. So he's another driver who's had only one race outside the top 10. And I think to me, uh, not that it it takes away from what anybody else does, but when you're talking about limited starts, not getting to run each and every week to, to come into a team car and a team. And I'll talk to him about this when he comes on of making that transition of not having been in the seat possibly for the last race or a couple of races in between. So you don't have that daily or weekly consistency of being with that team. How much more of a challenge that is and, and taking pride in it as an accomplishment. Oh yes. I, I think he's got a lot to be happy with, with this season. Uh, and those 11 starts in the Arkham Menard series, uh, just phenomenal stats here. I don't know if we have any access to what his average uh, finishes this season, but it's got to be it's got to be up in the top five, I would think. With well, eight of those races in the top five. See if I can pull that up real quick from Racing Reference Info. I know that's the site I use a lot. Okay, yeah, check, see if we can check that out uh, for Chandler Smith um, because uh, he's just had an amazing season. Uh, even though it's a part-time schedule, uh, I think his results are very, very noteworthy. 
and um, uh, we will be talking to him here in just another few minutes uh, when he comes on board. So if you have that stats, I'd like to bring that up as he comes in um, for for fans to be aware of just how good his season has been. All right, give me one second. I actually got his name highlighted here. Uh, we talked about he did make a real quick highlight here. Three truck starts this year. Out of those, he finished it all three in the top ten, with two of them being top fives. And getting to the Arkham Menards series, as you mentioned, 11 of the 19 starts, five wins, eight top fives, ten top uh, ten top tens. As you mentioned, only one that wasn't a top ten, and that included four poles and leading seven uh, 1,739. I'm sorry, that was the total lapse, 1,739. Of those, he led 666, so a third, almost half of the laps that he led. And the wow, average that's finish. Amazing. That's what you were specifically looking for. Okay, average start was a 3.5, average finish a 4.4. Yeah, I figured it was, I thought it was probably up in the top ten, top five. I mean, uh, I just think he's had an amazing run here in the Arkham Menard series. Um, and, and this is another guy who's uh, fairly young. Uh, let's see, born in 2002. He's 17 now. So um, pretty fantastic. Uh, he's had uh, right. a couple of uh, – he had a, a Penty Series start this season as well. Uh, he did with the, the NASCAR Penty Series. Uh, that one, uh, one start, not sure. Uh, it doesn't go into details in the race, but he started 11th and finished 23rd. Okay. Well, I'm glad he's in stock cars and uh, racing in the Arkham Menard Series because, uh, again, it's just been a phenomenal season, not only for him, but for his the team that he drives with, Venturini Motorsports. Uh, welcome to the show. Welcoming to the show now is the race winner at the Lucas Oil Raceway this past weekend, and that is Chandler Smith. Uh, Chandler, congratulations on a fantastic victory this weekend. Yep, thank you guys for inviting me to be on the show tonight. Well, Chandler, we're really excited. Uh, we've been going over some of your stats here uh, in the Arkham Menard Series. Uh, in 11 starts, you have only one race that's outside of the top 10. Uh, 10 top 10s, 8 top 5s, 5 victories, an average uh, finish of 4 point, what was it, Jay? 4 point? 4.4. 4. 4. 4.4. Uh, we need to get yes. that a little lower, don't we? <laughs> well, I think it's pretty fantastic uh, the way it is. Uh, and uh, I'm just so proud of you. Talk about what is the highlight uh, of those 11 races for you. Uh, just making memories, learning, being with the team, the 20 team in general. They're just a, a phenomenal team. Billy's great to work with. We have good laughs on and off the racetrack, even on the radio. So, uh, you know, and that's all what it comes down to. We're all focused when it counts, and we all have a good time just like race is supposed to be when we can, you know. So uh, that's something I love so much about this sport is, like, you actually, it's like you can have fun with it and joke around and still be 
focused and go out and win races. That's what it's all about is making memories with it. So this whole season has been phenomenal. And, uh, they, every time we came to the racetrack, we've always been in contention to win the race. Whether we did or not, we everybody knew we were there. So uh, hats off to Billy Venturini, Craftsman 828 Logistics. Uh, they gave us a heck of a Toyota Camry this year. And uh, looking forward to our uh, future plans. Okay, now on lap 161, uh, you were able to pass your teammate, Christian Eckes, for the lead, and it was right after that that the rain started coming down. Uh, did you have somebody kind of whispering in your ear that now might be a good time? or what? Tell us about how that came about. At that point of the race, it was go time anyways, you know, so it was just, I knew the rain was coming. I knew even before the race started that the rain was going to be a factor. We talked about it a little bit, and that's the one to keep me updated. So uh, after that deal happened with Gibbs and stuff, we figured we'd been in a good spot starting third, and the 28th front is tires real bad, and we got shuffled back quite a bit and worked our way back up. And uh, uh, the best way to completely put it, to be honest, everybody says it was timed perfectly, but I just say it was God's will and uh Tonight was our night to win that race, so uh, it was definitely all glory to God on that one. Yeah, you couldn't have asked for better timing, uh, that is for sure, uh, to make that pass for the lead uh, and give you your fifth victory. Uh, Now, with me tonight is our co-host, Jay Huseman, and I know he uh, has some questions for you as well, Chandler. All right, Chandler, Chandler, I want to talk about, you mentioned uh, having the 11 starts. Uh, so that's eight eight starts, nine going to be total after Kansas, that you're not in that car with that team. Jumping into a ride like that that you're not with full time, what are the challenges to that? And, I mean, you obviously made it work and made it work well. So what's your what's your question about that then? The the challenges in in driving a car that you aren't in full time every week. The two cars I had two cars. I had a short track car and an intermediate car this year. The intermediate we went to Gateway, Pocono, Iowa, and we raced at Lucas Oil this weekend. But other than that, all those two cars I've always been in those two cars, and uh, definitely the intermediate car this year has gotten a lot better. Our short track car has always been very, very good on tracks like Elko Speedway, which it definitely proved it was very dominant tonight uh, this year at Elko. But, um, you know, challenge-wise, it's just uh, building up team chemistry and everything. The more you just build up that relationship with the whole team and everything, uh, it, it comes a long way. Now, on the races that you weren't the driver of that number 20, did you still go to some of those races and and still be a part of that team, like you said, of of building that chemistry, even if it was helping another driver? I am definitely guilty of saying no, I was not there. Okay. I know some of the drivers are involved in in that level. And uh, you mentioned as you came on of of future plans. Uh, Is there any you can tell us or talk about yet as of yet? (laughs) No, not quite yet. They're still in the making, but uh, hopefully here soon I can. Okay. Well, that's one of those, as media, we know we got to ask, but we kind of know the answer of, you know, can't talk about it yet. But uh, we know here we've been watching you. I'm sure there's some big things coming. I know your age is still a little bit of a restriction, but once you hit that 18-year mark, I think we'll uh, see some big things out of you for sure. I don't know about big things, but I'll definitely give it a shot. (laughs) All right, Sharon. 
Okay, Chandler. Uh, and I'm I'm looking at uh, what about the rest of this season? Do you have any plans to race any late models the rest of this season? Uh, yes. As a matter of fact, I'm racing the Winchester 400 this coming up weekend with my KBM guys. I'll be racing there, the All-American 400, and the Derby with them. And I got one more truck series start in the 46 truck in Phoenix. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, I was kind of hoping maybe you were going to say the Snowball Derby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'll be in the Snowball Derby in the 51. Oh, okay, fantastic, because uh, I think that would be a great experience uh, uh, for you as well. Uh, racing that snowball derby in December, uh, and and uh, that's really fantastic that you have all of those races uh, already lined up for this season. Um, and and uh, which of those races do you think you have the best chance of uh, being in victory lane when it's all said and done? Uh, you know, <laughs> I've raced the Winchester 400 twice in two attempts, and both attempts. It's definitely very debatable and saying I should have won both of them. So uh, I'd say Winchester, <laughs> I got a very good chance of winning Winchester this year. It's just um, hopefully if everything goes right, you know, I got the good experience now. And last year was just weird. It was really good and clean, hard racing. And it was one of the best racing I've ever had in a while, racing side-by-side side with Jeff Chiquette for 30 laps. It felt like, I think it was 20 laps actually, but. It was a great race. I know the fans took it a long way, and they, they had a blast with it. And that's what it's all about, and that's where we need to start bringing fans back in. So, uh, But yeah. to answer your question, I'd probably say Winchester 400. Okay. And then um, uh, talk a little bit about um, uh, the season with Venturini Motorsports. They have just had a phenomenal season in the Arkham and Art Series. <laughs> you certainly have been a big part of that with your five victories. Uh, and I know you mentioned you've really enjoyed working with them. You're able to laugh and kind of play a little bit with them as, as you kind of get things done in the shop there as well. Um, but you're also a, a student. So talk about how that all works. <laughs> yeah, that's where the whole problem comes in. That's why I'm not able to show up at other races when I can. And uh, I also live in Georgia, and the shop is in North Carolina, so it's really hard for me to go up to the shop and hang out with the guys some. But uh, just when we get to the track and stuff, every we I talk to everybody, and we all talk and stuff like that. But it's definitely – school's a huge factor for me. This was my first year. I'm a senior this year. And I just now started doing online schooling, which definitely way too late in my school career to be doing that should have done it honestly earlier on but definitely been a very good move and um i think it was it definitely has helped a lot this year with me traveling and doing tests and not having to argue with school like hey i mean this is this is my job it's my career i understand i'm still in school and stuff but like you know this is one of those opportunities that you just can't like really be like no that you can't you gotta you can't miss school you know what i mean yes yes i do know what you mean because uh that that is certainly important, uh, but at the same time, so is your racing career. So balancing that, I'm sure, has its challenges. Uh, and homeschooling, I think, probably would help you out a little bit. Um, and and so your chance to really build that chemistry and that camaraderie with your team happens at the track uh, in those 11 races that you get a chance to race with Venturini. Yes, for sure. Okay, and and then um, 
Let's see. I had another question for you, and it slipped my mind, but I know Jay's got a question for you, so I'm going to kind of pass it back to him uh, because he's already messaged me that he's got another question here for you. Yeah, that's the same thing happened to me, Sharon. That one slipped my mind as we were talking about it. But <laughs> earlier, prior to you coming on, we talked about the, the Sioux Short Track Challenge, which you ended up third behind Ty Gibbs and Christian Eckes. Uh Next year, is that going to be part of the Arkham Menards East and West as well? What are your thoughts on that of the, of the, the three series now kind of combining, not necessarily to become one, but going to do more in partnership with that? Um. It has its goods and it also has its bad, just like every other major series. It has its good and it's got its bad. You got that in the Cup Series, Xfinity, and Trucks right now. So um, it's going to be one of those things where it's going to be like, does the good outweigh the bad and all? But in all in all, I think it'll be a good move to uh, bring car count back. But as far as the racing and stuff goes, I don't completely agree with what they're doing to the, like, engines, per se. Like, um. I've been a big push in how the cup engines and all their engine packages, how they've been not running like what they did. I think it was in the Gen 6s when they were running 950 horsepower in the bodies back then. Just like with ARCA, they're completely changing the engine next year where, like, they're going, I'm pretty sure, to the K&N engine and getting rid of the ARCA engine, which we have this year. And that's what makes these cars so much fun to drive is they have so much horsepower. So you actually have to drive it and manage the throttle, and that's something that – you know, as a driver, you got to learn to manage the throttle. And I've talked to K&N drivers and stuff like that, and I've drove ARCA and K&N. They're like, K&N's a piece of cake. It's super easy compared to ARCA. ARCA, you got to control your throttle. You know, it just goes on and on, and that's one of my biggest takes on it. I kind of wish they wouldn't do, but, heck, my voice is so small when it comes to stuff like that. Well, actually, that's one of the one of the things that I, I believe it was Kyle Busch and, and his take on that of of if you if you restricted too much, where he said anybody could come out and drive one. So he kind of has that same thought of he wanted something where he could he could control it and show his talent as a driver. So we certainly understand that aspect to it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I've, I got my opinions on some stuff like that. I think the way just racing has started to go in general. It's starting to take in the driving out of drivers and uh, putting it more of into the engineers and making more downforce and all that stuff. And it just gets going on and on. So that's just my take on that. And that's a completely different conversation. And we can talk all day about that. <laughs> well, uh, no, we appreciate you uh, expressing some of that. Again, Sharon and I talk about it. Andy, uh, another one of our co-hosts when we do hot topics, you know, we all have our opinion and I know, NASCAR as a sanctioning body has to it has to find that medium of, of keeping the drivers happy, the crews happy, the team owners as well as the fans. So you know it kind of all comes into play. We'll see how this plays out. Maybe after this first year, they'll make some tweaks to it. We've seen that in the past that they're not afraid to take what they started with and make some tweaks to it. So that might be something that comes about in year two. Yeah. All right, Sharon, did you come back with yours? Yes, yes. I wanted to get into uh, being a part of the Toyota Racing Development uh, and and your thoughts about uh, uh, what they've done to help you in your career. Uh, they've been a tremendous help. Just, uh, first of all, guiding me in the right direction to where I need to go when I keep heading upwards in the racing ladder and getting up to where, obviously, where I want to be, which is in the Cup Series one day. They're just they've been tremendous a tremendous help to me. Jack Irving, you know, Tyler Tyler Gibbs, all those guys, they support me so much and uh, 
financially just giving me resources to giving me leads on to where to go. It, it's been an incredible experience. You know, Toyota, TRD in general, they're, they're like a family. You really feel like a family together. Just, uh, it's incredible. I think this is going to be my third coming up. This will be my third year being a TD2 driver, which is Toyota driver development. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, we're all one big family. It's, it's awesome. That is awesome. Okay, and if it, you know, I, I'm sure you follow the uh, NASCAR's top three series. Is there a driver uh, that you think uh, is a, kind of a role model for you, or most closely fits your driving style? I would definitely say this, and it's always been my dream. And I, there's a story that goes behind this as well. But Jimmy Johnson has always been the guy I've always looked up to since I was four years old when I ever started racing. I started racing when I was four years old. And uh, I remember at a Bandolero race in Atlanta Motor Speedway, they hosted Bandolero races on the same weekend as Cup. And Chad Canals walked by me, and I told him, I said, hey, you you stay around long enough, I'll be up there racing with you and Jimmy before long. And, uh, I mean, it would be a really, really cool experience if that actually ever happened before. But uh, to answer your question, Jimmy Johnson, for sure, he's a legend. Yeah, he is, and and uh, seven championships is certainly a lot to look up to, and and a great moral model. And uh, you know, I think uh, I think uh, I, I personally, I think it would be great to see you back in the Arkham Menard series, or uh, maybe with some more truck series races, because I think uh, you could definitely go for a championship in this Arkham Menard series next year. So I hope that happens. Yeah. I know you can't talk about it. <laughs> Even with my age, I wouldn't be able to do it. I can tell you that much. My age is, uh, I turn 18 in the middle of the year, so yeah, I can not do anything June, doing for a championship. Right? Yeah, June yeah, 26th. Well, I can't wait to see that happen, though, uh, when you do, when you are able to run full-time, because uh, I think it's almost imminent uh, that you would be running for a championship when you do get out there. So let's talk about your let's talk about your sponsors and the people that have supported you in your eleven races here. Uh, first off, I just wanted to thank God for giving me the opportunity to be on this earth and uh, just giving me a great childhood so far. I can't ask for anything better. You know, I have great parents, great people around me, uh, great life back at home. So uh, all glory goes to him on that note. And I can't thank my mom and dad. Toyota enough, everybody that's helped me come up in my racing career and taught me everything that I know now. But most importantly right now, Toyota for sure, they've helped so much. Like I was talking about, this will be my third year coming up with them, and we're just all in one big family. And they uh, certainly treat us like we're family, and it sure feels like that. So Jack Irving, you know, Tyler Gibbs, uh, Craftsman, 828 Logistics, I Buy Power, all them guys, they, they're the ones that make it happen for us. Uh, without a doubt, but you're the guy behind the wheel uh, that uh, is able to take everything that they give you and uh, make good things happen with it. So uh, we applaud you for a fantastic season. This was your last race, if I read that right. Uh, You will not be racing at Kansas, is that right? That's right. Uh, That was my last race. IRP was my last race of this year. Okay, so uh, in the Arkham Menard series, but we've got a lot to look forward to with these other races that you're going to be entering. How can fans follow you, uh, Chandler, so that they know exactly what's going on? Do you have your own website? 
Yeah, I got my own website, and it should be running a lot better next year. This coming up, end of the year, to where you can order shirts and stuff like that. Right now, it's kind of um, it's kind of a struggle to order shirts for me right now. So, um, but all that said, ChandlerSmithRacing.com and my Instagram is CSmithRacing26, and my Twitter is CSmithDrive. Oh, okay, and and uh, you're also on Facebook, right? Uh, yes, I'm on Facebook. There's a fan page on there. I believe it's called Chandler Smith Arc and NASCAR Driver. You can go in there and apply to join the fan group that one of the fans actually made for me, and it's really, really active. My brother live streams basically every race I'm in, so if you ain't around a TV, you can always watch it on your phone. Okay, but that's also how not just Twitter or Facebook, but all of the other social media and your website is how fans will be able to know uh, when that next race is coming up for you and then what your plans are going to be for the 2020 season. Oh, right? yeah, for sure. And they'll be coming very soon. Okay. Well, Chandler, it's been uh, a joy talking with you tonight and, and chatting with you about your victory. Uh, again, I think you had a fantastic season in the Arkham Menard Series with Venturini Motorsports. Uh, they've had a fantastic season uh, with all of their drivers. And uh, as I said earlier, you've been a big part of that. And uh, we hope this isn't the last time we get a chance to chat with you. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. Okay, well, uh, stay in touch, and uh, good luck on that next race. Yep, thank you, guys. Okay, take care now. All right, that is Chandler Smith with Venturini Motorsports. Uh, Fantastic season there uh, for Chandler Smith in those 11 races, only one race outside the top ten. It is indeed, and what a what a great young man! I I I love his story about talking with Chad Knauss <laughs> and following Jimmy Johnson. You know, when you say four years old and he was out there racing, and, and he said, "Hey, I'm gonna be up there with you guys." To you know, to see that and that to see him following through true, with I think, it for him. Yes, exactly. Yes, yes, it would. And uh, he's shown he's got the talent to do it. So to see him following through on that is really really great. Well, and I appreciate, uh, you know, he's got a real relaxed, natural way of uh, communicating, and uh, uh, I love the storytelling, you know, telling the little stories like that. I think it's fantastic. Uh, He's only 17, uh, but to be racing since he was four years old and uh, uh, doing as well as he did in those 11 races in the Arkham Menard Series is uh, pretty phenomenal and uh, really impressed with Chandler Smith. Yeah, and the other thing I take from that, we talked to some of these young ones like that, of, of the balance of that in schoolwork. And like he said, school is still his priority. So on the races or on the weekends when he's not in the car, he can't necessarily even go to other races because then he put, that's when he puts his focus on school. So another great thing to see from such a young man. Absolutely. And, uh, uh, again, we've got a lot to look forward to with uh, Chandler Smith. Uh, If you haven't watched him race yet, you've got a couple more opportunities this season uh, with the Winchester 400, the All-American 400, uh, and he he mentioned a couple others there, including uh, the Snowball Derby uh, that will be coming up in uh, in, uh, December, one of the biggest races uh, for uh, super late models, and and, uh, you'll see a lot of big names there at the Snowball Derby in Pensacola, Florida, at Five Flags Speedway, including Chandler Smith. 
So, uh, uh, again, he's uh, part of the KBM program in the truck series. He's part of the Toyota Racing Development Program. Uh, and uh, just as we were talking about with Sam Mayer being the name to watch, uh, an up-and-coming driver, uh, you can certainly mark Chandler Smith as uh, one of those drivers as well. Well, and that, while you were while you were finishing up the conversation with him there, I, I knew I followed him on Twitter. I went went ahead and got into uh, Instagram, got him tagged on there as well, so I can keep up with him. <laughs> okay, uh, it's time now for us to go ahead and move on to the Xfinity Series. They race this weekend at uh, Dover International Speedway. This was an elimination race, Jay, and uh, a pretty fantastic race uh, with. Uh, uh, Cole Custer coming home with another victory. That's seven wins for him this season. Uh, he's just 21 years of age racing for team owner Jim Hawes as part of the Stuart Hawes Racing uh, Program. Crew Chief Mike Shiplett uh, with him all season long in that number zero zero. Uh, Cole Custer won the 34th annual Use Your Melon Drive Sober 200. His Ninth victory in 100 Xfinity Series starts. It's his seventh victory this season. His 21st top 10 finish also this season. Uh, It's also his first victory and fifth top 10 finish in six races that he's had at Dover International Speedway. Now, Justin Algauer finished second, posting his 11th top 10 finish in 18 races at Dover, and it's his 21st top 10 finish this season. Austin Sendrick is in third, posting his fourth top 10 finish in four races at Dover. Justin Haley in fourth was the highest finishing rookie of the race, and uh, Cole Custer now leads the series point standings by 25 points over Austin Sendrick. So um, uh, pretty pretty amazing stats there. Uh, for Cole Custer, uh, let me kind of go over. Let's see, I've got the points reports. I'm scrolling up here to see if I can get to the race results, which is in a little bit different place than it normally is. <laughs> so that's what, that's what I was thinking here. as we were going through that. <laughs> yeah, for some reason they don't have it in. Okay, so Cole Custer, uh, we went through the top Four drivers here. Chase Briscoe uh, finished in fifth place. Tyler Reddick was sixth. Noah Gregson finished seventh. Michael Lynette eighth. John Hunter Nemechek in ninth place. And Justin Haley uh, finishing in tenth place. Uh, We mentioned that this is an elimination race. Um, So I guess we'll cover that in the uh, points, Uh, Jay, if you want to go over the points uh, for the group, and then identify those four drivers that were eliminated this this week. All right. Uh, which page was that on? Looking here, because uh, what you said, what I saw there, that one's the owner's points. I saw two different ones with the driver points. I'm trying to look at the re with the reset. It should be reset at three thousand, correct? Yeah. Okay, that actually whoops. That yeah, actually, that actually shows, has Christopher Bell. Right. It should be it should be with the points reset following this elimination race. Should be Christopher Bell at three thousand sixty two, Cole Custer now at three thousand fifty, so twelve behind him, 
Then Tyler Reddick has 30-44, 18 points back off the lead. And then you got a little bit of a gap. You talk about Austin Sindrick. He's in fourth with 3,017, back 45 off the lead. Justin Algar, 3,014. Chase Briscoe now going to be 3,013. Michael Annette, 3,009. And Noah Gregson at 3,005. And with that, the the four we unfortunately got to talk about that did not make this next round, John Hunter Nemechek uh, will now be in ninth at 2097. Justin Haley at 2076. Ryan Sieg at 2067. And Brandon Jones. So John Hunter Nemechek, excuse me, uh, John Hunter Nemechek, Justin Haley, Ryan Sieg, and Brandon Jones, the four that were eliminated. And that, again, takes nothing away from their season, but this is crunch time, and you've got to perform in order to move forward. Yes, indeed. Um, and and uh, this next round eliminates uh, four more drivers, uh, leaving just the final four that will move on to Homestead, Miami. So that next round, I believe, uh, let me go back here to uh, Fan for Racing because I've got the the playoff uh, things listed here. Um, this will be the first race. I'm trying to think if uh, – I think the Xfinity Series is off this next week. Yeah, they, they have the week off as the Trucks and Cup Series go to Talladega. Okay, that's right. So they will they will be off this coming week. Uh, their next race is at Kansas Speedway, the same weekend as the Arkham Menard Series, uh, and they'll be racing next on Saturday, October the nineteenth. That will be the first ra- race in the round of eight. So from there they go to Texas Motor Speedway on November the second, and then ISM Raceway at Phoenix. On Saturday, November the 9th, will be the elimination race that will eliminate four more drivers, uh, leaving only four drivers to contend for the championship at Homestead, Miami. So, uh, pretty, pretty, uh, it, they're going to need this break, I think, Jay. <laughs> yeah, I know we've talked about how, how rough it is, the trucks having multiple weeks off, but a one week break here, especially for this Xfinity series, is kind of a nice break in that schedule. Uh, between the rounds here, between their first round and second round. So I'm sure that, again, some drivers would like to keep it, fires the momentum, but uh, I think it's always nice to take at least a one-week break like that. Okay, yes, indeed. Now, I do have the post-race audio here. It's only four minutes and 48 seconds. Uh, it includes Cole Custer, the driver of the number zero zero, uh, also the crew chief Mike Chiplett, and the owner of Production Alliance Group, Dale Solon, is also part of this group. Uh, in the post-race uh, media availability, uh, and uh, we'll go ahead and listen to what they had to say after winning on Saturday at Dover International Speedway. If I can have your attention, please, in the media center, we are going to now start with our post-race press conference for the 34th annual Use Your Melon Drive Sober 200 in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, and we're joined by driver Cole Custer, driver of the number 00 Production Alliance Group Ford, crew chief Mike Shiplett. Uh, let's go ahead and open the floor for questions. If you have a question, please raise your hand, and we'll give a wireless microphone to you. Questions for our race-winning team. We'll start with Noah and go to Davey. Noah Lewis, TSJ Sports. 
Cole, can you walk us through your feeling when that caution came out and you guys were up front playing that strategy that cycled you to the lead? Uh, I mean, I thought I thought it was good. I mean, you don't know till we everybody cycles around, but I think uh, I knew that we were probably in a good spot staying out late there. So, uh, just a great pick call by Mike. I mean, to stay out and you know, it's all it's almost all about track position here. So, whatever you can do on strategy or good pit stops to try and get some track position is uh, it's what you need to do. David Siegel with front stretch. Justin said that if you guys were on even tires, he felt like he might have been just as good, if not better, than you. Do you think that if you guys were on even tires, you would still be able to hold him off to have that clean air and track position, or was it more of a toss-up? Uh, it's a toss-up. I think we were fairly equal in the short run. I think long run, it seemed like we would definitely catch him. Uh, so, I don't know. It's hard to say, but I think definitely clean air is definitely king here. Good next to Bob. Uh, Bob Hackers, Fox Sports. Uh, Cole... Just what does um, you'd already clinched a spot in the next round, but what does does the win what, what does the win mean beyond the the uh, playoff points you earned? I think it's, I mean it's confidence. Obviously, I mean uh, going in, into Kansas and Texas. I mean we can just go in there and know that you know we're firing on all cylinders and we can go in there and win. So it's just uh, having confidence on your first lap you hit the track, and I think uh, we're gonna go in there next round and really be one to fight with. And also. Do, with every win, do you get more and more anxious to know what you're doing next year? Uh, I mean, you really just live in the moment. I think uh, it, it is what it is. You try and, you know, you win as many races as you can, and uh, whatever happens, happens, but usually it fixes itself. Okay. Uh, Pat DeCole at NASCAR.com. Cole, when we spoke yesterday, you told me you were itching to get this gold trophy. Uh, so what's going to happen with it now? It's going to go in my living room or something somewhere. I mean, it's uh, – I've wanted to win this tro this this, tra this race for such a long time. I, mean, I think almost we got really close here a couple times in the truck, and then a couple times in the Xfinity car, and now to finally win it's uh, pretty huge. So uh, it's obviously the trophy everybody wants, and I mean the track everybody wants to win at. So it's uh, pretty huge. Go next to Dustin. Dustin Long, NBC Sports. Uh, Cole, I know this was the 100th Xfinity start for you. Uh, obviously, that's a, 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 that number can be a milestone for a lot of drivers. How do you see how you've progressed from 1 to 100, and where do you feel like you can progress your next 100, wherever they may be? Uh, it's been huge, honestly. I mean, I think uh, you look at the progression of me, and I think the progression of our team also. I think, uh, you know, when we started, it was a new team, and uh, we had really fast cars. It was just a matter of gaining experience, you know, me and the team, I think, and uh, Mike coming on this year was huge, bringing even more experience. So uh, it's just, it's been huge for sure. Dustin. And to follow up that, Mike, you, you've worked with a lot of drivers, and obviously, you know, Cole had some experience coming in. Uh, how has he progressed? What are the things have you tried to refine uh, in this year together with him to, to lead to this point? You know, Cole's a very good driver, very exceptional, very good at what he does. You know, it's just, fine-tuning everything, getting 100% all the time. And that's what we're looking for is just being 100% all the time. He's been restarts to long-run speed, short-run speed. You know, just keep working on everything and making it just a little bit better. We're also joined by Dale Salen, uh, CEO of uh, Production Alliance. Undefeated on the car here. Uh, talk about your thoughts on today's action. Yeah, it's incredible to be part of this awesome team, Mike and, and Stuart Haas and obviously Cole. Uh, first to win at our race in uh, Fontana. It's the production line Group 300. That's where I met Cole. And then to win now at Darlington here. So we're pretty excited. We're uh, three for three. So we're very pumped. So 
super excited to be a part of this team. So that's awesome. Any additional questions here in the deadline room? Well, gentlemen, congratulations on the, on the win, and uh, good luck. Thank, Thank you. you. All right. Uh, some really good info that uh, Cole Custer gave us there uh, about the race and about uh, just uh, his season. Yeah, and, and the one thing I thought about even as as we went into this interview of talking after talking with Chandler Smith, I know you've followed him a lot longer than, than I've been a part with you here, but to see his development has just been outstanding. And, and the spot he's in now, and I heard him at, kind of answer the question about what what his future holds. You know, he said, hey, i got to live in the moment right now. Right now we're winning races, mm-hmm. and that's what we want to do. Um, so just to see the poise that, that has changed in him as a, as a driver, as a leader of that team as well, um, has been really yeah. tremendous. Yes, uh, it really has been. And and to hear the confidence that he talks about and when he gets a win like he did uh, this weekend, seven wins, he's tied with Christopher Bell for the most wins in the series. Uh, imagine between those two drivers, they have 14 of the wins in the Xfinity series. Um, uh, it, it really is uh, uh, amazing uh, to you know, when he talks about how that builds his confidence going into the next round, uh, feeling confident that he can go out there and do it again, uh, I, I think is uh, pretty fantastic. It is, and I think that's what you do need to take. Again, at this point, it didn't, didn't. Uh, he was already locked in, but that doesn't prevent him from not racing hard and going after that win. And he knows, you know, again, I think it was Chase Elliott that said it, you know, momentum is one thing, but taking those additional five points um, if needed. But for them, it's all going to come down to you expect it to anyway of the four at Homestead. And we know what he's capable of there, but we saw what Tyler Reddick did last year, assuming he is yeah. one of those four. And then again, Christopher Bell, you, you know who your competition is. So, yeah, any, any week you get to beat them, you know, that just gives you that little bit of an edge. Uh, without a doubt. Uh, he. He, uh, you know, he has just 12 points. I was just looking at the um, uh, playoff points. Uh, Christopher Bell has the most. He has a phenomenal 62 playoff points. Uh, But Cole Custer's uh, points are pretty phenomenal as well. He has 50, so that's 12 points behind Christopher Bell's playoff points. Tyler Reddick at 44, just six points behind uh, Tyler Reddick, and everybody else is, is not even close. Uh, those three drivers have just had an amazing season. 29 starts uh, for the series, and 19 of those races have been won by those three drivers. Well, and that goes back to when we were at Chicago, and you did that of, as they've been known this year, the Xfinity Big Three, and that tells the story right there. <laughs> Austin Sindrick obviously um, having two wins, the gap between his playoff points at 17 and Tyler Reddick above him at 44. So it really is a battle of who is fighting for that four spot. Now that doesn't guarantee them into that round of four, the final four, but they're they're showing they're still showing up to win and they have those points to fall back on. If they should falter a little bit, should still carry them in. So it's going to be a tight battle for that four spot. It is going to be a tight battle. And, and, when you consider Noah Gregson, Michael Annette, 
uh, Chase Briscoe, Justin Algar, Austin Cindric, any one of those drivers could win at Kansas when they go when they show up there for the first race in the round. Um, and uh, Noah Gregson and Justin Algar are the only two drivers that don't have wins so far. Uh, you better believe they're going to be gunning uh, to try to get a victory uh, before this playoff is over here in the in the uh, Xfinity Series. Uh, but these other guys that have wins, uh, they want to add to their win total. So uh, they know that they need that win to get into that next round uh, to guarantee their spot into that next round. And this is where the rubber hits the road in these next three races. Uh, and that's when we find out who are going to be the four drivers uh, that will be going for that title at Homestead, Miami. And one thing you mentioned there I was, saw earlier, I didn't get the chance to mention, talked about the rookie of the year battle. As these guys move on, that guarantees them to stay in that battle. Mm. Mentioned Justin Haley and John Hunter Nemechek not making it into this round of eight. That means the rookie of the year battle now is going to be between Chase Briscoe and Noah Gregston. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, uh, again, just uh, so much to look forward to here with uh, with all of these guys uh, racing in this Xfinity series. Um, I want to go ahead and let's go ahead and move on now to the um, Monster Energy Cup Series. Uh, again, I've got some post-race audio here. Kyle Larson breaking a two-year uh, winless streak uh, with a victory at the Monster Mile this weekend. Uh, what an impressive run for him. Well, he was one I had kind of picked all along. I know in our in our fantasy group I ended up with him, yeah. but I'd have picked Chase Elliott had it Andy not picked him first. So I got, got a little bit lucky there. But we've seen it in the past month or month and a half that, that this number 42 team has been back on the right track and been contending. I can't remember. I think they yeah. said he's had eight, eight second-place finishes in that two-year streak. It's not like he hasn't been there and contending. But they certainly started out the year on a little bit of with a little bit of a struggle. They turned it around and they got on fire in the right direction when they needed to as these playoffs started. And I think this just uh, capitalizes on that. Well, yes, indeed. Now Kyle Larson is just 27 years old. Uh, his owner is uh, he races for Chip Ganassi Racing with crew chief Chad Johnston on top of the pit box. Uh, Kyle Larson won the 50th annual Driving 400. It was his sixth victory in 213 Monster Energy Cup Series races. It's his first victory and 15th top 10 finish this year. It was his first victory and ninth top 10 finish in 12 races at Dover International Speedway. Martin Truex Jr. finished second posting his 16th top 10 finish in 28 races at Dover, and it's his 19th top 10 finish this year. Alex Bowman in third, posting his second top 10 finish in eight races at Dover. Ryan Priest in 19th place was the highest finishing rookie, and uh, I, I'm not sure if this is correct. <laughs> the last time I said this, it wasn't, uh, but according to uh, the notes that we have here, Martin Truex Jr., leads the point standings by 15 points over Kyle Busch, now in second. All right, yeah, I was trying to get the, the points there pulled up. And let's see if I can find them now. Um, boom, boom, boom. 
All right, which page is it? Because there we go. Yep. Yep. Should be uh, should be correct. (laughs) Yep, should be page five there. Uh, Martin Truex at 3095, Denny Hamlin at 3080, as well as Kyle Busch. Denny Hamlin having a little bit of the edge, and for the round in the playoffs, the edge in a tiebreaker goes to the best finish in this round, which would go to Denny Hamlin at this point. Then you got Kevin Harvick at 3074. Kyle Larson now at 30-63, and the top five there are 32-point difference. You also have Brad Keselowski, Alex Bowman that are at 43 and 46 back. Then you get a little bit of a gap, and this is where it's going to get interesting. Again, that cutoff for these guys for the next two races that it'll be battling for. William Byron at minus 63, as well as Joey Logano. That's where that cutoff line is. And then Chase Elliott, Ryan Newman are the two, uh, Clint Boyer, Chase Elliott, and Ryan Blaney, the other three that are on the outside looking in with one out of the three races. Yeah, what a what a uh, fortune uh, bad luck, or, or not fortune or bad luck, but just inopportune bad luck, I meant to say, uh, for Joey Logano. Didn't even get the race started, and uh, he had an axle break. Uh, giving him uh, a really poor finish at at Dover, uh, and that's the reason he is now ninth in the series point standings. Uh, he's on the outside looking in because of that finish right now with William Byron having the advantage over that tie in the cutoff line above the cutoff line. So a um, uh, couple of people having really bad uh, incidents at Dover, uh, Chase Elliott in the 11th place uh, had an engine go out, uh, so that's why he's on the outside looking in. But keep in mind, Chase Elliott won last week. Um, was that the elimination race? Let me go back. Yeah, that Stanford was the this way, yes, this was a This was the first race of the new round, so Chase Elliott oh, okay. used up all the bonus points he had built up. And as you mentioned, is now actually on the outside looking in. Right. So he's got to get another victory to be able to move on to that next round. Uh, the next race is Talladega, which is a little bit of a, a wild card. Uh, same thing for Joey Logano. He's got to get a win. Uh, we know he's capable of it. And then, of course, Kansas Speedway on October 20th is the elimination race in which it pairs down to just eight drivers. Uh, for that next round. So uh, just a bit of bad news there uh, for a couple of those drivers uh, that were looking pretty good coming into this race are now on the outside looking in. Well, and quite obviously that points cushion can go away, but if you were to look at it as it is right now, Alex Bowman in seventh is 17 points up above that cut line. So right now if you were to look at it there, William Byron, Joey Logano, Clint Boyer, Chase Elliott, and Ryan Blaney, are the ones that are five essentially vying for that one spot. But especially, you mentioned it, the wild card at Talladega, uh, any kind of points cushion could go away in a hurry. Um, I think that was Joy Logano's interview after the race. He said he doesn't know if they're in a must-win situation yet, but they better run pretty darn good over the next two races. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, without a doubt, that they, they've used up their mulligan. I think uh, is another quote from from uh, Joey Logano from this weekend. Uh, they can't have another mulligan. Uh, they they really need to go out there and perform in these next two races, in particular. Um, 
and uh, Talladega is that wild card, the middle race of this round. Uh, that could change things for a lot of drivers, so anything can happen uh, with this group, and it's, it is going to be interesting to see what happens. Now, we do have post-race audio here from Kyle Larson after winning uh, at Dover. His segment is nine minutes long. Uh, we probably won't listen to the entire segment, uh, but uh, I'll try to listen to at least half of it if we can here uh, with Kyle Larson after winning at Dover this weekend. All right, we're going to wrap up our media availabilities here at Dover International Speedway for today's Driving 400. We are joined by our race winner, Kyle Larson, the driver of the number 42. Clover Chevrolet for Chip Ganassi Racing. We will open up to questions. Please raise your hand. We will get a wireless microphone to you. We'll start here with Noah. Noah Lewis, TSJ or 101sports.com. Um, Kyle, I asked the same thing to Chad. Other than the All-Star race, this is the first win since Richmond in 2017. How necessary and how special was it for the team? Yeah, it's uh, it's always good to to win, but to end a you know winless you know drought. Uh, <clears throat> was good, you know, I, but, you know, it's it's not a shock either, you know, I feel like we've been running really well this year, aside from the beginning of the year, and even at the beginning of the year, we were still at some good speed, I was just making a lot of mistakes, so um, we've been able to clean up what we've been doing on race days and um, executing and uh, going about the races uh, more patiently, so um, our car's been getting better the last couple months, so it was uh, good to dominate a race like we did today. You can go to the far right to Zach. Zach Cerniel of Pocono Record, NASCAR Wire Services. Uh, Kyle, knowing that uh, you've got the win here today, you're through to the next round, do you feel like this makes you an immediate threat for this championship to get to the round of four? I don't know. You know, you know depending on who makes it out of this round, you know, I'm still going to be a ways back on points um, to, you know, Martin, Kyle, Kevin, Joey, um to start the next round, um, you know, to start today, I was like 18 points back at Keselowski. So, like, that's still, you know, a lot um, to overcome. You know, it's it's going to be even bigger probably to start the next round. So, um, but, you know, Texas, we could we could go there and win. Um, we could go to Phoenix and, and have a good shot to win. Uh, Martinsville, hopefully we could go have a good run there. Um, but we'll see. So, it's just nice to, you know, get a win get some get some playoff points and just kind of chip away at our deficit that we're in. Not in, but, you know, compared to those guys. Go ahead, Davey. Davey Siegel with Front Stretch. So this is the first time that Chip Ganassi Racing is on to the round of eight as well as yourself, and you've been very loyal to Chip. You've said as much. He's said as much. Does, does that kind of give this win a little bit of an extra meaning to you? Um, yeah, I mean, Chip's had opportunity – to win a championship, I think one other time maybe, and and uh, I think Sterling Marlin got hurt that year. So, you know, he was probably going to win the championship that season had he not gotten hurt. So, you know, it'd be be nice to uh, to get him that championship that he's honestly, you know, probably owed. So yeah, it's uh, to to move on to the next round special, but uh, we're not just satisfied with being in the round of eight. You know, we want to go and, and make it into that final round at Homestead. You know, my best track. Um, and uh, you know it's the final year for the for the championship race to be at Homestead. So I've looked at it, you know this ever since they released your next year's schedules. This is my best opportunity to to win a championship. So um, I got to take advantage of that. 
any additional questions for Kyle? All right. Oh, we'll go to Dustin. Dustin Long, uh, NBC Sports. Kyle, I know obviously you've won in different series. You've won different things. So you've won in the last, you know, in the last two years. But what does winning this race mean? What does it mean for you? What does it mean for this team? I think you know you've always heard it. It's like, hey, if you get to Miami, you you could be the favorite. But you've got to get there. You got to win races and. You guys hadn't done that, and you've been building that consistency. What does winning today at this moment mean for you and, and this team with how, where it's come? Yeah, I mean, it's just it's great to win in any series, like you said. Um, you know, that helps. You know, I think that helps me feel like it hasn't been a long time since I've won a, a, a race um, or even in, in the Cup Series. You know, I was, I've won sprint car races this year. I've won midget races this year, go-kart races. Um so, yeah, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't feel like that long. But, you know, I feel like our cars have been capable of winning. You know, I've, I've, I've ran second nine times, I think I heard, since my last win. So, you know, we've challenged, and we've been close to winning. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's uh, just haven't put it all together. Um, you know, I'm sure there's some some of those races where I finished second uh, without a you know, second-place car, probably overachieved. But um, I feel like I've definitely given up, you know, five or six since then. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I feel like, you know, look at the really good guys and, you know, I'm comparable to speed on, on them, but they just, whatever it is, you know, they, they can go out there and, and do what it takes to win at the end of the races where, um, I've been trying to get a lot better at that and, and figure out, you know, what that even is to, to win. Um, but yeah, we just got to keep doing what we've been doing. You know, I feel really good about our stuff, feel really good about our team right now, so, um, go on to Talladega and, you know, try and win there. You know, I, I, I said it would be there, you know, with no stress, but, um, you know, I still want to go out there and, and do what I can to, to win as well as, you know, help our Chevy teammates and, uh, just keep winning because we got we to gotta make some more points up. And, and when you talk about, you know, just trying to win in the series, obviously you know how to win in the sprint cars and the midgets and everything else that you've won. What is the difference in what it takes to win here? I mean, I know in a lot of ways it's the same. There's some similar things, but because maybe the competition's harder, what what are things that a little bit more challenging, or what's something that you did today that kind of helped push you over the edge? I know track position was obvious. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean track position is massive here, but yeah, it's just uh, it, it takes a it takes focus to win in any type of car, but it takes a different type of focus to win a you know 400 or 500 mile race. Um, you know, in a, in a sprint car race, you know, it's 30, 40 laps, and, you know, they don't have an opportunity to work on their car at any point in the race to make it better. Um, where in this, you know, I've tried to get better at my communication and, and you know, trying to make it easier for the team to figure out what adjustments to make. Because I feel like, you know, I look at other people and, and you know, in the past I've been good the first half of races or, or even past that, but then it seems like as other people get to work on their cars, you know, that's where they, you know, maybe get better than me at the end, and that's what they find to go out there and win. So um, today I felt like, you know, I was struggling. I was getting frustrated in the early part of the, the race, you know, and then, then you know, took a deep breath, changed up what I was doing behind the wheel, and we also made our car better at the same time, and, uh, you know, here we are, you know, with a win. So I think that's just the things that, you know, guys like Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick and Logano, Truex, Keselowski um, are really good at just, you know, 
staying focused. And uh, not that I wasn't focused, it just takes a different level of, of focus. Okay. Uh, some interesting comments there from Kyle Larson after winning at Dover this weekend, the Drydeen 400. Your thoughts about his comments, Jay? Well, one thing is, is he said kind of like what I said, and I'd heard some interviews with him. Of yeah. <laughs> they felt like they had 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 that opportunity of winning, with the exception of the, the first part of the season. Uh, that was the first, though, that I actually heard him say, you know, early in the season it was on him that he made quite a few mistakes. So, uh, again, seeing some maturity, and maybe that's what them, them turning that corner. And I know we've talked about this of, of maybe seeing or having Kurt Busch come over there as a veteran driver for him to lean on and learn from um, that's changed in him as a driver then and accepting that responsibility and changing his driving style maybe a little bit. Um, but knowing that as a team, they just had to uh, think of the right word of clean up those little things that were keeping them, you know, from being top five, top 10 to a winning driver or winning team. Yes, yes, and and I thought he articulated that pretty well. Uh, and we've said that before on this show. A lot of times these teams that, that aren't clicking, uh, it's not a matter of big swings that they have to take in order to get to where they need to be to start winning. It's a matter of those little tweaks here and there. Uh, it's, it's just the small little things that they need to do uh, that will make a huge difference. And uh, I think that's a lot of what he was saying there. Uh, and I thought his comments about the focus was interesting, too. Uh, you got to have a focus in all the races that he, he races in, all the different series that he races in. But the focus is different when it comes to racing, you know, 500 laps or 400 laps in a race. Uh, you've got you've got to have a different kind of focus in these races. And to me, that's what separates uh, the Cup Series from all the other series that are out there. Well, and and it's a huge thing, and I know he's got kind of the same background. We heard Christopher Bell talk about that with his announcement of moving up. You know, these guys coming from sprint car races, you're talking 30, 40 laps is a long race for them. You know, that's a, a, a deep race for them. So that certainly is, even from the Xfinity Series moving up to the Cup Series, you're talking about that extra 100 miles or 100 laps you know, depending on the track. So that is a big thing for them to make that step to the cup level. Yes, indeed. Uh, so uh, we've got a few minutes here. I'm going to kind of segue uh, as we get ready for our Hot Topic Sound Off. Uh, do you want to give us an update on uh, how we're doing on our fantasy league? All right. Let me uh, pull out our sheet there. I know this weekend for the Xfinity, you picked up the uh, the win there with Cole Custer and the 10 points. I did so, as I mentioned, on the cup level. And that I know. Obviously... I was saying, man, I didn't gain anything on Jay. <laughs> no, we both, uh, for the for the weekend, we both had 16 points. We we separated yeah. a little bit as as on the whole, as everybody else had four, I believe. So on the Xfinity, as I mentioned, Sharon had Cole Custer, picked up those uh 10 points there and increased your lead there. You're now at 88 points over Sam with 77, me at 71 on the cup side. And this one just blows my mind of how close this has been all year. I know, uh, got to give you props. You took the lead last week by a point. Uh, you and I are now tied at 93 
Sam is only oh, five points back at 88. Yeah, with that 10, I got to catch right back up. So me and you are tied, and Sam is only five points behind on the cup side. Wow. And, and this and weekend, I know... we throw a little – go ahead. Go ahead. With the truck? I was going to say <laughs> – Okay. Um, this weekend we got to throw throw back in that monkey wrench. We haven't had it for a couple of weeks. It'll be a cup pick and a truck series uh, pick. We haven't had a lot of focus on the truck. We got to get back in the truck series mindset as well. Yep. And so, how are we doing there? All right. On the trucks, I do leave that one at sixty-five to Andy's fifty-five. Uh, that one, then Sharon, you and Andy are the next back at thirty-eight and thirty-six. And looking back, I think Sam picks first and James picks last following the Las Vegas race. So Sam's going to have a little bit of an advantage maybe picking first, but we've not always seen that play true either. Yep, we'll have to wait and see what happens. Um, Yeah, I've got some work to do on that truck series. Uh, My picks have not uh, panned out this year in the truck series. But... uh, uh, happy with my, with the results in uh, both the Xfinity and the uh, Cup Series, and we've still got some more races. So anything can still happen uh, with Sam being so close behind us. There, uh, a lot can still happen. Do you have the overall numbers there, Jay? Uh, yep. Uh, overall for all three series, I have the total lead at 229. Sharon's at 219. Sam came over the 200 mark there at 201. Andy's at 177, and James at 158. Okay. Again, it's been a lot of fun doing that this season, and uh, as it was the two previous seasons that we did this, and uh, I'm hoping that we can do it again next season. So thanks again, Jay, for, for keeping track of all of that for us. We do appreciate it. Oh, most certainly. Like I said, I really enjoy it. And I know, uh, you know, we're just doing it for fun. There's nothing on the line other than than a little bit of trash talking and and bragging rights. But to me, it's still (laughs) a lot of fun. It is. It is indeed. Okay. Uh, We're coming up on the top of the hour here, and that means it's time for NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. And uh, it's just going to be Jay and I here tonight, uh, and we've got a little bit of catch-up to do. Uh, I'm going to start out with uh, NASCAR releasing the 2020 Cup rules uh, for next season. Uh, And uh, let's talk about that a little bit because uh, there's just uh, a small amount of tweaks uh, that are mainly limited to procedural regulations. Uh, Nothing is going to be tied to on-track competition as far as any alterations there. Um, uh, That means... uh, they're doubling down on the high downforce, the low de- horsepower package that was implemented this season. So teams will see new limits off track that could have a sizable effect on their plans. Uh, organizations are being limited to 12 active chassis at any given time. They were only allowed 150 hours of wind tunnel testing with the current package after having no limit this season. So that's going to be a big change for them. Uh, They'll also be required to compete in a minimum of eight events with a full long block sealed engine, an additional eight with the short block uh, sealed engine. 
Uh, road crews have been dropped from 12 members to 10 members uh, for each organization. They'll be allowed uh, just three members of the organization staff, and they'll continue to work with the same parts. As the Cup Series continues its parts freeze through the 2020 uh, season ahead of the next-gen car that will be coming out for the 2021 season. So I want to get your thoughts about that um, for that uh, next year, some of those changes. What stands out okay, to you? I, there were two things that stood out to me, and I don't know if I heard you mention uh, one of them, uh, limiting the number of chassis that they can have approved and ready to go as well. And I wanted yeah, to say I did, that was... I did say that. Okay, um, that one in the wind tunnel, and I see it as huge in one aspect of it prevents the top teams from spending all that money that they have been, and, and I don't have any exact numbers, but we all know they do. Um, so I see it as, as restricting the top teams from spending that money. It doesn't necessarily save the lower teams from money. However, that advantage does in theory, anyway, help bring the teams closer if they can't continue to spend the time in the wind tunnel and gain that advantage. It does theoretically, hopefully, help the littler teams close up. The one that I think maybe does specifically, again, the number of chassis that they can have. Um, again, your lower budget teams have three or four to begin with, and that's all they have, period. <laughs> so it narrows that gap. And then the sealed engine one. And I think that one, as far as helping the littler teams, probably is the biggest one. And, and I like mm-hmm. all of those moves. Um, and I think, like I said, rather than taking away from, say, pit stops. And I know that I talked with a driver that said he actually thought that would have been a good move and, and a cost saving that would have helped them get a truck on the t- track. But mm-hmm. I think that takes away from the entertainment value for the fans. And you, like we talked about, NASCAR's got to find that balance. You still want to provide some entertainment. It allows for strategy during the race and can obviously change the outcome, especially when it comes to stage racing and gaining those points of how teams strategize. So I like the fact that they went after the, the cost-saving measures without affecting necessarily the on-track entertainment value of it. Yes, and and I think, too, uh, there's the development side of it if they had done the pit stop changes. Um, uh, I do think that those drivers need that development in the truck series and the Xfinity series before they get up there to the cup series. Uh, The one that kind of stood out for me as well, uh, in addition to the ones that you mentioned, is that the road crews being dropped from 12 members to just 10 members. that that uh, is kind of interesting to me. Uh, that means that those guys are going to be doing more um, with the ten people that are there. Those uh, whatever those other two people were doing is going to have to be absorbed by the ten people, uh, and then just three staff members uh, that can be available. Again, those guys are already spread a little bit thin, uh, so I think it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out in the 2020 season. Um, uh, as far as the road crews is concerned, I don't know if that includes. I'm thinking that includes the people that are doing the pit stops. Uh, they have not limited the number of people that can go over the wall for the pit stop, so that's a good thing. Um, but what are your thoughts about the the drop in the in the road crew? And there again, I think it's a matter of it, it, it restricts, and those top teams will have to adjust. 
you're talking about some of these teams that 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 is their yeah. entire team. I mean, you're talking about 14 man shops, you know, versus Gibbs that has what four to seven hundred employees. So, you know, for them that's not much of a change because they can't do that anyway. But it does affect those top teams. Now, some of them, you're right. Obviously, if they have 15 people available to do different jobs, now they're down to 10. Um, that yeah, some of them are going to have to do some additional additional duties or different duties, as you will. Uh, I think what's interesting that might come into play too is under the penalties of who NASCAR chooses to eject as well. Then. Yes. That will be interesting as well. Okay. Um, I don't have uh, much of a follow-up there, but, uh, again, just something for fans to be aware of as far as changes going into that 2020 season. I'm going to bring up another one uh, because uh, NASCAR and ARCA both announced their 2020 format. Uh, ARCA has been merged with NASCAR uh, for the last uh, season or so, and uh, they've always said that uh, format changes would come in the 2020 season. Well, that is upon us now. Uh, we kind of referenced it a little bit earlier in the show, uh, but last week uh, they announced the overall format. Basically, you've got the Canon Pro Series East and West now coming under the Arkham Menard Series umbrella. There will be an Arkham Menard Series East and an Arkham Menard Series West. Uh, they'll continue the traditions that began with the Bush North Series, founded in 1987, and the Pacific Coast Late Model Series, also known as the Winston West, that started in 1954. Uh, right now they compete as the NASCAR Canon Pro Series East and West. Uh, they're going to feature a yearly schedule, and this is interesting, of just six to eight races ending their seasons with the crowning of separate regional champions so there'll still be an east and a west champion uh but only six to eight races in that group uh the arca menard series uh with the midwestern roots was founded in 1953 they'll continue with their 20 race schedule and a mix of national series combination events including daytona Charlotte Motor Speedway, short tracks like Madison International Speedway in Wisconsin, the Illinois Dirt Tracks of Illinois State and Duquan Fairgrounds will all be included as part of that Arkham Menard series. And then also in 2020, uh, they'll have, well, first of all, they'll have their own champion, similar to what they do now. But new in, in the 2020 season is the Arca Racing Series Showdown, uh, which will be 10 races within the larger Arca Menard Series Championship featuring the best of three series all coming together to crown the showdown champion. So basically you're going to find that uh, there could be drivers that are racing in the Arca Menard Series East and West that will also be participating in that 20-race schedule uh, to be a part of that showdown competition, uh, which would include 10 of the 20 races that are all part of that Arca Menard series. So there's a lot of um, uh, intermingling here between all four of these uh, championship opportunities. So there'll be a showdown champion, there'll be an Arca Menard series champion, and there'll be an East and a West champion. Uh, so let's get your thoughts about that, Jay. 
uh, I guess I'd have to start with, uh, wow. No. Um, yeah, we, we've heard about <laughs> this coming and kind of had an idea how it was going to play out. I do, as a fan looking at it from the outside, like it. Um, Chandler Smith brought something up, a perspective of, from the engine package, though, that I wasn't aware of it and understood from the driver's side of it, that when the ARCA, when the, I guess they're all the Arkham Menard series, so when the East and the West and the main Arkham Menard series come together, that they're going to use the engine package from the, I would still say lower series. Um, I, from the sanctioning body's perspective, I understand it. Again, if you say that more experienced and better drivers are at the top of the higher level, for them to come down to that one versus these younger kids have to step up to a new one kind of levels that playing field. But I fully understand Chandler Smith's point on that of, you know, he feels like they're taking it away from the driver then. The other aspect to that, and I Chandler Smith didn't exactly specify that, but he said so he had several uh, that he felt were negative things about it that he'd have to wait and see how it played out, would be those 10 races are a part of the whole Arkham Menards championship, and now you're bringing mm-hmm. in some younger, less experienced drivers during those 10 race showdowns, but that affects their main championship. So there again, you're talking about more cars, some less experienced drivers more than likely can be a factor. So that is one of them that I think maybe fell under what he was talking about, maybe some of the, the negative aspects to it. But he did say as a whole, he found it a positive thing, and we'll have to see how it plays out. And, again, we'll see if in year two of this, hopefully uh, as they progress, maybe a couple of tweaks. But overall, I do think it is a good thing. You know, there may be some hiccups that they haven't thought about, but generally when they put the thought and time into this, you know, they try and, try their best to, to come with any conceivable possible situation that might arise that would cause a problem and, and address it ahead of time. Yes. I, I really, uh, on the surface, I really like some of the changes uh, that we're seeing here. Uh, but at the same time, I look at this and I say, this is a lot of what we already have. It's just going to be under the Arkham Menard series umbrella at this point versus under the Canon Pro Series being something separate than the Arkham Menard Series. The other thing that I do like about it, though, is that it's going to be, I think, more intermingling uh, between the East and the West and the Arkham Menard Series and that showdown opportunity uh, to win that that uh, fourth championship. So I, I think that you're going to see more drivers We've seen it uh, quite a bit with uh, Bill McAnally racing both the East and the West series uh, in the Can-Am Pro series. I think we'll continue to maybe see that uh, with this new setup, especially due to the fact that there's only six to eight races. That 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 kind of shocks me a little bit uh, because right now in each of those series there's like around 10 or a little more than 10 races. We've seen like 14 races. Uh, in that series so that that seems like a kind of a cutback to me but at the same time adding the 10 race showdown I think uh, gives an opportunity that might increase that racing schedule if these east and west drivers want to take part in that showdown championship so 
Um, it sounds like it's cutting it back, but I think the showdown gives them an opportunity to actually increase the number of races for a total season. Uh, the, another part of this announcement, by the way, is that um, drivers or uh, team owners that uh, had a car, uh, a 2019 car, and participated in the Can-Am Pro Series will be able to use that same race package, that same car, in the Arkham Menard Series. So that's hopefully a cost savings for those guys and will encourage them to participate uh, under this new format. So a car owner with a car that meets the 2019 rule book um, well, it will still be able to allow them to compete uh, under the 2020 rules package. So I think that was a smart move as well. The other part of the announcement is that MAF-TV will continue to telecast uh, a lot of these races, as will Fox. Um, NBC Sports Network will also carry the East and West uh, part of the car coverage. Uh, so no changes there. Um, but I think part of it uh, is that where Menards has been basically in the Midwest, you're going to see them reaching out a little bit more to like ISM Raceway and the Las Vegas Bullring uh, are going to be uh, uh, a little further west than what those guys have typically raced. So uh, I think that, and there's some some uh, combination events here too, uh, with the Showdown taking their green flag at ISM Raceway. On March 6th, during the National Weekend at Phoenix, while the West will kick off their season at the Bull Ring at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. So, uh, just some really interesting um, uh, combination things going on here between all of these series uh, that I think will be fun to watch. You hit on something there again. That part of it hadn't really uh, crossed my mind of for the East and the West and their individual championships. You're right. They're, they're, they're cutting down to, like you said, six to eight races. Uh, it does make that a little bit more tighter and uh, obviously put more pressure on per race. But then the other hand to it, like you said, they have the opportunity to mix it up with a combination event with, along with the regular Arkham Menard series. So the opportunity as a whole number of 10 races there um, does increase. So again, I think NASCAR is looking at it. The things they've done, just like with the uh, with the rules package, is to try and help the little, the smaller team, uh, if you will, so that the the base ones from those series can continue to step up and grow, and, and not and have to incur a huge cost, which I, I think is, is a good thing. Just as with the cup level of trying to help those little teams at least get more competitive or stay more competitive, if you will. Yes, and keep in mind that the 10-race schedule is going to feature tracks like Salem Speedway. That's a, that's a staple in the Arkham Art Series. Lucas Oil Raceway in Indianapolis, uh, Elko Speedway in Minnesota, Bristol Motor Speedway, Iowa Speedway, Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway, and they're going to crown the champion, uh, Jay, at Memphis Motorsports Park. So that's pretty cool. And that's one I've always said. I, I still hope that, uh, again, this has kind of been a building step for them to come back. I know that when I when I was there and talked to some of the track officials there, that that was their intent in trying to build that back up. 
when they had the Xfinity Series and the trucks there. I was a season ticket holder. Got to go up there three times a year. So uh, I'm hoping that continues to build that, build them back up. Yes, indeed. Um, overall, I think it's all good. Uh, I I really do. I'm 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 kind of in a wait and see what happens uh, in the 2020 season, but I think overall, I think it's going to be good. I do, and 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 like Chandler Smith said, he said as as a whole, it definitely was it was a good thing. He said there were a couple of things. Obviously, he had some uh, some opinions on that. He said he shared and um, maybe didn't want to talk about on a, on a program, but would individually. So mm-hmm. next time I get to see him at the track, I, I certainly will take that opportunity. He, he said he can talk for hours yeah. about. So I know I know yeah. how drivers are when it gets to that. Yes. Uh, and and uh, we certainly can appreciate that as well. Uh, again, I loved his story about Jimmy Johnson and uh, racing bandoliers at four years of age and looking up to Jimmy Johnson and still looking up to Jimmy Johnson and, and wanting to emulate him. So uh, th- those are kind of the little gems that we get uh, being a part of the radio show here when drivers share those kind of stories with us and with our listeners. Uh, about uh, uh, about coming up uh, and and through the series uh, with the goal of being in NASCAR's top three at some point in their careers. So, the Arkham Menard series is certainly going to be part of that latter uh, process for drivers looking to come up through NASCAR uh, to race in those top three, and uh, I think it's a strong foundation. Uh, most certainly, and again, we'll have to see. Uh, you know, like you said, on paper everything looks good. Obviously, we see a couple of little things that concern us. See how it plays right. out, and if any tweaks are made after that first year. Yes, yes, uh, we know tweaks are all part of the process. Okay, Jay, I know you had some uh, topics that you wanted to get into, so let's uh, let's hit a couple of your topics. Well, we've got to start with, and we talked about it as, as we covered the Monster Energy Cup Series race at Dover. Uh, you know, we always say the wild card is the, or the wild card in this round would be Talladega. Uh, we kind of had the Monster Miles say, hey, I'm here too, obviously, and <laughs> fighting a couple of the, the top contenders, Joey Logano and Chase yeah. Elliott, um, right from the get-go, has kind of shook up this, uh, this first round after the first race. You know, and, and there too, it was. I think it was Kyle Larson. He, he said, "You know, getting that win, Talladega is totally off his mind. Not that he's not going to go there and race, but that's one <laughs> that not only for him as a personal driver, he said he's not, not been his best track, but one of those where anything can happen. Um, this one was obviously individual problems, not one big problem as far as a wreck or something, but the Monster Mile bit some people." <laughs> Well, and and it's been like that in the Cup Series, though. When we look at the Xfinity Series, uh, the same bottom four are the same bottom four that were eliminated. So there really was no surprise in the bottom four that, that ended up being eliminated in that first round. However, in the Cup Series, if you look at the round of 16, uh, there were some surprises there. Ryan Newman was at the bottom of the list. Uh, he was one of the drivers that was eliminated. Eric Almarola uh, was part of that bottom four, but but that's where the similarities uh, really uh, are different than the than the Xfinity series because William Byron was part of that bottom four. He's now firmly into uh, the top twelve right now. 
uh, well, he's right above that cutoff line anyway. And Clint Boyer was the other driver uh, that was below the cutoff line. He's below again in the bottom four in the in the round of twelve. But here's where we had some surprises in the in the round of sixteen. Kurt Busch, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He was in the top eight, and he was eliminated in the round of sixteen. Eric Jones was in the top ten and was eliminated uh, at the end of the round of 16. Uh, Those were some pretty big surprises. Uh, I don't think anybody was expecting necessarily that it would be those two drivers uh, that would be eliminated when the round of 16 was done. Uh, Right now at the bottom of that uh, round of 12 is Alex Bowman, Ryan Blaney, and uh, Clint Boyer, uh, right now, Chase Elliott, well, no, that's not true, because after after um, the race at, uh, at uh, after this race Dover. at um, Dover, thank you, uh, that changes who's at the bottom 12. So, yeah, there's some big surprises there, but I think that's the way that my whole point in going through all of that is to say that's been kind of, uh, the norm here for the Cup Series it, since the round of 16. It is, and you know, again, I did my own article on that, and so far there's been a couple of a couple of changes to that. Uh, and this round could be Brian depending Blaney, on what happens. Too. Yep. Around. Go ahead. And there were several that when when I did that article, it was like, uh, which side do you put them on? You know, Eric Almirola, Clint Boyer, those were ones, and I had Newman moving forward. Um, I know he barely got in, but I just felt like he was a grinder, and he came really close. So I can't say I was way off. Uh, that was one I just kind of gave the benefit of the doubt to. I think the one that is upon the positive side, you talk about the ones that dropped out that were a surprise. That means somebody went in. And, again, with everybody, right. all the analysts that, that I looked at, everybody had Alex Bowman out in that first round. And he actually not, now looks pretty safe going into even through this next round with that gap he's built up of 17 points of making it into the round of eight. So that's yes. the kind of thing that you love to see. Absolutely. Uh, the the drivers that are below that cutoff line, we talked about it earlier, Joey Logano, Clint Boyer, Chase Elliott, and Ryan Blaney. Some big surprises uh, that those drivers are in the bottom four uh, at Jeopardy of being eliminated. Now, in all fairness, Joey Logano's tied with William Byron, who's on the positive side of that line. But um, uh, nobody expected Chase Elliott to be there after winning <laughs> uh, at uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway. So, And Ryan Blaney. Uh, I think that's a little bit of a surprise, as is Clint Boyer. So it's it's going to be interesting what happens at Talladega. This could really get shuffled up again, I think. And and the thing that, that I look at there of as a whole, you look at Joey, Joey Logano, Chase Elliott, and Ryan Blaney. Uh, two of them being Fords. Fords have typically run good at these super speedways, barring any big accident that takes out, the, you know, whoever it so chooses. Um, mm-hmm. So you feel like they got a shot to make those points up. Then again, you got to look back at if they move up and in, who gets moved out? And again, that 17 points that Alex Bowman has built up, does that get taken away? Or, you know, 
uh, I think like even at Dover here, Brad Keselowski had a top finish, and he said they came into the race 19 points above the cutoff line. He busted his butt all day to end to come out 20 points up, so they gained one point. You know, he said he put in a lot of work in a hard race to gain one point and basically hold serve in his position. <laughs> Which is pretty wild. And, and you know, Talladega is such a wild card. Bad luck is not uh, prejudiced. I mean, they they – have no preconceived notions of who the who bad luck is going to hit at Talladega Super Speedway. You can get caught up in somebody else's mess, uh, and it can ruin your day uh, from the get-go. And that's what all of these drivers are worried about going into Talladega. How do you avoid that big one that we all know can happen at that track uh, and keep yourself alive in that top eight? Uh, poor Joe Logano, not even start the race uh, with a bad axle, and that was the result of the impound, uh, and, and that brings up another question. Is the impound really a good idea? Because those guys had no idea until Joey started driving that car uh, that they had a broken axle. How does that happen? You know, and it's one of those, uh, I heard him talk about it on a couple of the shows and saw some of the post-race um, I don't know if it hadn't been an impound race, if that's something they'd even caught unless they had a practice session following qualifying and, and maybe mm-hmm. not even then, it, you know, yeah, when it started the race, it happened right away, like you said. Um, but it might've been something that maybe could have held on even during a practice session. You don't know. Uh, you never do. The, the one thing they wanted to stress though, was it wasn't something that a crew member absolutely forgot to do or missed i mean it had to get out on the track in one way shape or form in order for that to become known it was a parts failure not a a crew or a team thing that got missed so uh that's one of those it's just unfortunate and and when it happened and how it happened um but i know the team team wanted to make that clear of it it certainly wasn't something that they just missed and that had nothing to do with the impound. Like I said, that was something that was going to have to happen on the track under uh, moving conditions. I won't say racing conditions, but moving conditions for it to get noticed anyway right. or have it become a problem. Well, and then the question became, was Clint Elliott's issue as a result of that, uh, possibly debris on the track or oil on the track? You know, I heard a little bit about that in the, uh, going back and watching the, the recording because I wasn't home yet of whether or not, like you said, I think somebody said it was a five or six laps before they even found the, the debris on the track. And at that point mm-hmm. is when Elliot started having his issues. So um, I can't answer that. Uh, you would hope not. And you would hope that, and again, I don't know, where NASCAR uh, necessarily lacked in finding that debris quicker. Uh, again, I wasn't able to, to really determine that as I didn't see the first part of that, the race where that happened. So um, I'm sure it's something NASCAR will look at. Again, they have a great job of having spotters. you got the radio guys. If they see something on the track, crewmen are always on top of things with the in-car cameras that they have now. Uh, normally they're pretty good about getting that uh, out of the way and if there's an issue addressing it. Well, I think it certainly does ramp up the intensity going into this next race, uh, the next two races for that matter. Uh, now, we're coming to that time of the night. I've got to real quick get in my message here. 
that we are going off the air at exactly 10.30 Eastern Time. Uh, however, we will continue the conversation and the recording of that conversation for our podcast that is available via all of the links that we already have out on social media, as well as the player that we have available at fanparacing.com. If you've listened up to this 1030 mark, all you have to do when the podcast becomes available is just fast forward to the two-hour mark, and you can hear the rest of the conversation uh, and uh, hear what we had to say during that overtime segment past that 1030 mark. Uh, If you're listening on the podcast, it's going to be very seamless. You'll be able to listen straight through. I go out on social media, uh, specifically Twitter, and post that link once the podcast is available so everybody knows. So with that, Jay, (laughs) what's next? Uh, we got a couple uh, looking at the future of crew chief and sponsor, which kind of allude to particular drivers. Uh, Rodney Childers at Stuart Haas Racing has re-upped, and I don't have it readily handily. I want to say it was a three-year deal. Uh, If you have something on that, then can verify that. But he has re-signed, at least for a multi-year contract. That doesn't necessarily say Kevin Harvick is. And then on the sponsorship side with Hendrick Motorsports, it was the same thing with Ally Financial as they will, and then whether or not what that pertains to as far as driver Jimmy Johnson. Right. Um, Yeah, it's interesting because Ally uh, is signed through the 2023 season, uh, and Jimmy Johnson has not yet uh, indicated uh, what his plans are beyond the 2020 season. So that's interesting. Same thing is true with the Stuart Haas Racing uh, sponsor and, um, I mean, uh, crew chief and driver. Uh, so, you know, that's uh, still still waiting for dominoes to drop. But I know a lot of these drivers are saying conversations are in the process and they're getting close to being able to make that announcement, but not quite yet. So uh, Daniel Suarez being one of those drivers, too, that's close to a contract with Stuart Haas Racing. So I'm not sure. I'd have to look at the uh, silly season to see when Kevin Harvick is up next. Uh, Let me see if I can pull that up, the 2020 team chart here. Okay. I believe he was still signed for another year um, but the question of what was whether or not he would go to hey, that came up earlier um, whether or not he'd moved into a broadcasting position because that was a discussion of possibly where Cole Custer would go but again Harvick has implied he doesn't necessarily have any intention of going anywhere anytime soon right. and obviously right. is still competitive and battling for championships exactly so, and and even on the Silly Season site, uh, it does say there are no changes anticipated uh, for that number four at Stuart Haas Racing. So I would expect that uh, 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 Kevin Harvick is going to be there uh, after this season and beyond. Uh, so that's just a matter of time. Uh, a matter of time before that announcement is uh, made official. Um, 
So I I don't know what what exactly is your question? Are you are you thinking that something different than what we're anticipating is going to happen, or uh, because I've said all along, I think there are going to be some surprises uh, when this season is is coming to a close. No, at this point, those two surprises there. Those two, well, it was kind of an unknown. We talk about Jimmy Johnson; he had had been having uh, off couple of years actually. Uh, the changes they went through, whether or not he was done racing, um, which I don't think he was. I think the fact that the sponsorship there has renewed, I think we're going to see Jimmy Johnson assign a contract pairing that just as they had with Lowe's over the years, um, that if that sponsorship is saying, hey, we want to be with Jimmy, we've signed for three years, I think you're going to see Jimmy Johnson follow suit with three years. Now, on the Stuart Haas side, that one with the crew chief, I think, is maybe a little bit different. I don't know if we'll see Harvick necessarily signed to remain tied to Rodney Childers, and I don't think the team necessarily wanted to wait and see what Harvick did. They want to keep Rodney Childers. If, say, just if it were to happen that way that Cole Custer comes in, they want to have a crew chief like Rodney Childers there for whoever the driver is. Right, right. So, yeah, that's a good point. But, uh, yeah, we'll have to kind of see. Like I say, it says no changes expected for the 2020 season uh, for Stuart Haas Racing in that number four. Uh, but you never know. Uh, you know, they, they could make a, a little bit of a tweak there. And uh, it's just a matter of time before you hear it. Now, on Jimmy Johnson's side, uh, he's good through 2020 at, at Hendrick Motorsports. It's uh, the other two seasons, the 21, 22, and 23 season, uh, that we're not sure if uh, Jimmy Johnson's willing to stay on that long. Uh, I, might, I, I feel a little bit differently than you do. I think somewhere uh, during that time frame we may see Jimmy Johnson uh, announce that he is retiring. So I don't know necessarily that Jimmy Johnson's going to stay as long as uh, the Allied sponsorship. Uh, that's just speculation on my part. Uh, I could be very wrong, but uh, I do know that Jimmy Johnson wants to go after that eighth championship, and if he gets it in that 2020 season or the 2021 season, uh, I think he'll want to go out on a high note. What What else, uh, to follow up on just your, your gut feeling, as you said, what causes you to, to feel like he is within those couple of years of – being done well he's in his 40s <laughs> uh i am i'm not seeing a lot of drivers stay like mark martin did um right and and i do feel like drivers are retiring earlier and i think he's going to want to spend more time with his family so uh, i and and I often think about what is Jimmy Johnson going to do when he does retire? Is he going to stay within the industry, or is he going to kind of fade off into the sunset? Uh, I'm not sure yet uh, where I'm at with my speculation on that. But uh, uh, I do think that he's getting to be that age where uh, I think we're going to see two, maybe three years from Jimmy Johnson, but I don't see him going all the way to 2023. Huh. Okay. I was just kind of curious, like I said, what gave you that feeling? Um, you brought up a very 
off off question there of, of and I know we've talked about this of, of drivers once they are done, you know, and we've seen Jeff Gordon. He went into the to the booth, and we know he's got some strong ties to Hendrick. Uh, Hendrick has made a statement before that that's a I don't know if he's a full partner, but he obviously has an investment in Hendrick Motorsports and, and possibly taking over that team when Rick Hendrick is done. Um, as far as Jimmy Johnson, you know what he does. I wouldn't. You know, I don't even know if I'd have any kind of answer for that because I don't see him <laughs> as a, a car owner or having that type of uh, investment in the sport, and that is well within his right. You know, I know several drivers do, Kyle yeah. Busch, you know, yeah. these others that do, but um, we haven't seen that as much from Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Johnson. So uh, that's that's an I interesting question a, there. I think he's been a great mentor to the drivers that are currently at Hendrick Motorsports. Uh, I could possibly see him doing some something within that organization, uh, taking on um, some type of a role within the organization. But um, I don't know. It, it, it'll be interesting to see what does transpire there. But but I don't see Jimmy Johnson making it all the way to 2023. You know, well, and I, and I think you did highlight something there that it wouldn't surprise me at all even if it were to, say, be next year, if he were to win that eighth championship to maybe then uh, say, hey, this is the right time, you know, especially after it, – it's always tough to tell. I mean, right now, I, the way I see it and, and kind of feel is being rejuvenated, he hasn't won yet, but he has been running back up in the top ten as the, the Hendrick Motorsports and yeah. Chevrolet got their, their handle on the, this car and this package – We've seen that performance come back out of Jimmy. Uh, he's been qualifying in the top ten. Uh, you know, we've talked about him as far as, you know, we, we seriously considered him as our race pick to win. So I think you're seeing that building in him returning to form, if you will. Now, if he were to win that championship and say, hey, you know, I went through a little bit of a downhill, I got it back, but that downhill is going to come again, is it time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I and and you know, time's going to tell the rest of that story. Uh and it is going to be interesting to see how it does play out. Uh but uh I don't look for Jimmy Johnson to make any announcements necessarily. Uh he's good through the 2020 season, so I would say it would be next year before we hear any other thoughts from him. And a lot's probably going to depend on how this season ends up and how next season goes for him. Uh, but I do want to kind of move on uh, here because a couple of the drivers made comments about Joey Logano kind of holding up drivers uh, on the track. Uh, he was multiple laps down, <laughs> uh, racing for everything he could race for. Um, I don't know if that was to, to save face more than likely. Uh, but Denny Hamlin in particular was not happy uh, with the fact that he made it so hard on himself and Martin Truex Jr. and uh, Kyle Larson to get around him uh, during that race. And those guys were leaders trying to race for, keep race for and keep the lead. Well, I'm glad you brought this up because uh, that actually was on my mind. I didn't have them written down tonight. And it, for some reason, I didn't actually write them down. And that was one that I definitely wanted to talk about. And I have a very strong opinion on Joey Logano <laughs> is in the playoffs. 
He had a problem on lap one. We have seen it. Last round, the cutoff, I believe Ryan Newman got knocked out by one point. You can't tell me Joey Logano didn't have something out there to race for as one point could make the difference between making the next round and doesn't. Second off, they looked at the timing and scoring. He had a car as fast as some of the top runners. Now, I'm not saying he didn't impede, being 24 laps down, didn't impede some of the top runners, but he had a fast car. It wasn't like he was slow and out there in the way. He had a fast car. So I have absolutely zero problem with what Joey Logano did and with him out there racing for what he needed to race for, and that was whether it be one more point, one more position, or two, he's got to make that up. And it minimized the impact versus Chase Elliott couldn't do anything with where he ended up in points. He was in the garage. His only benefit was Joey Logano having problems, Ryan Blaney having problems. Joey went out there and took care of some of that on his own. So I got zero Mm -hmm. problem with that. And if you watch NASCAR uh, race hub, Larry McReynolds, that is a real uh, trigger question or a statement to him when he, people say that somebody raced me too hard. That's what racing is. (laughs) Like I said, he wasn't (laughs) slow and damaged in in anybody's way. He had a fast car and you just had to work your way around him. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm done. um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's okay. And I know you have real strong feelings about it. Uh, I I have also said that in the past uh, that I, I think it's wrong for any driver to think that another driver should just pull over and let him race around him. Um, to me, that's not racing. That's just everybody pulling over so you can get to the front. <laughs> I'm, what kind of racing is that? I, I um, it just is contradictory in my mind. In a way. I look at Denny Hamlin's even bringing that up and thinking to myself, I was thinking that he was emotionally moving in the right direction and maybe on track toward a championship. This to me is a step back. (laughs) I hope he takes two step forwards in the coming weeks, but yeah, I I don't understand. And he made some pretty strong comments. Um, let me just kind of go over some of the comments that he make. He made. Uh, let's see. Okay, we're out there racing. I got to race. Here's the situation. There's four or five cars that I could possibly catch. That's five points. This is Joey Logano's point. I'm in by zero points right now, so we better get them all, Logano said on pit road. So when you think of that, I've got to try to get – Every car I possibly can. I'm still racing. I ran as hard as I could this whole race. I don't have anything to show for it, but I ran it as if I were on the lead lap and did everything we possibly did to be better. Make up a position. He's 24 laps down. That's the most idiotic statement I've ever heard, Hamlin said. We're battling for the end of the stage. It's not your day. You had bad luck. We get it. But why? I don't understand that at all. That's just a stupid statement by an idiot. And then he goes on to say, probably shouldn't call Joey an idiot. He's not an idiot. 
but that was a bad choice to say that he's fighting for something. He's not fighting for anything. He's just running around the racetracks. Stay in one lane. Maybe it's the high lane because nobody's up there. Get the laps over with, get the race over with, and go home and get ready for Talladega to try to win that race. I get it. Everyone races hard, Hamlin said. If you're one lap down, I get it, even two, just not 24. It frustrates me because it's just a lack of philosophy. All he did was piss some people off, and what did he really gain? He didn't gain anything. He just pissed off some of the guys that he's racing with now. So that's so now we're just going to race him extra hard, and for what? Because he didn't want to go 26 laps down. Well, he makes a good point there. I wish he wouldn't have said it quite the way that he said it. But what are you going to gain when you're 24 laps down with every car that you pass? You're really not going to gain points to the point that you were making. And that's, I get it if you're one or two laps down uh, to the same point that Denny Hamlin's making, but when you're 24 laps down, that's that's a lot of laps down, and you could pass 43 cars or 38 cars and get another lap back, but you're not going to get a point. <laughs> Depending what on I'm what happens. Yeah, no, I, I, I do to that degree, and, and not knowing where, again, at that point I was listening on, on the radio, um, uh, what other cars were in that position in several laps down or multiple laps down. Um, so with with that, and I will say this, two things there, and they, they, they talked about it on NASCAR Race Hub, um, or either that or NASCAR America, I don't remember which, I watched them both today, that Denny Hamlin, in his interview, he started out extremely harsh. He changed as yeah. he went through his interview, okay? So, yeah, he did come to some realization of, okay, I'm a little overreacting or, you know, whatever. Um, and from that same they aspect, as much as I think, as much as I think Joey had the right to um, drive, you know, especially to what his car was capable of, he certainly could have, you know, when they came up on him, the leader specifically in that stage, let the top one or two, and I don't remember how many were battling right there at the time, and gotten back in line behind them and then run just as fast as they were and still caught those same cars, you know, whatever he was trying to gain. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, he could have given a little. I understand that. But like I said, you know, his job isn't uh, to go out there and race for anybody else or help anybody else. It's to perform to what that car, and that car was able and capable of going that fast. So, uh, well, and we do see drivers a... who who know that they their car isn't up to the same speed as the other cars that will kind of give way and let those cars pass them or make sure that there's plenty of room to be passed. Um, but you're right, his car was equal to the cars that were not 45 or 24 laps down. I'm sorry, I interrupted a point. Another point. You know, like I said, I was just saying that, you know, he certainly could have, but um, when, when you have a car, and, it, you know, if the car is damaged and not driving as good, then I can see it a little bit differently. Um, mm-hmm. But Joey certainly could have given up the, one, those one or two spots to those lead lap cars that were battling 
And, and again, not knowing off the top of my head of, of exactly, and I'm sure his team was telling him who was where uh, as far as cars he could catch. And there again, the, the more laps you complete, if somebody else has a problem, the quicker you are that you advance above them if they have to go to the garage. Versus if he checks right. up and lets those guys put him a lap down, that's now he's 25 laps. He's got to have another lap where other cars have to be out. So I think it's twofold. Uh, certainly could have given a little, but I certainly don't get on him for getting everything he could out of his car and where he was at. Right. I, I do think that a heart of a champion is I've got, it's my job to figure out how to get around this guy. And, and that's my job as a race car driver. If this guy's not going to give up the spot, then I've got to figure out a way to get around him. So I, I do kind of agree uh, to that way, and I've, I've always felt that way, that nobody should just pull over and, and give up a spot for the other guy, um, except for the cases that we've already outlined here. Um, but and and I do kind of see his point to a certain degree. Uh, I, I wish he hadn't been quite so harsh because, again, my initial reaction is, oh, here's the old Denny Hamlin uh, that he's going to get in his way again uh, at winning a championship. And, and maybe he is going to race harder against Joey Logano, but is that going to help him in the long run or is it going to hurt him in the long run if he carries a beef? In my estimation, he's got to let go of that as quickly as possible and not worry about what Joey Logano's doing, but worry about what he is doing and what his team is doing to win a championship. And and I'm afraid that this is one of those things that are going to get in his way of winning a championship if he harbors that uh, for the remainder of the, of the playoffs. He took one step back. I hope he can take two steps forward in the future. And um, uh, and same thing with Joey Logano. Joey Logano has got a job done. And one of the things that Joey Logano always has said is, I'm not worried about all the other cars. I'm worried about what my car is doing. I'm worried about what I have to do in order to do the best possible job I can do for my team. So, And that's the mindset that, he needs to have and and that's the mindset that all of these drivers need to have when they're out there on that racetrack so in the end (laughs) i think hamlin has to let go of that and move forward and not let that pull him back and and you have that's a very interesting thing and i look back to of uh kyle bush in the years that, that he struggled especially once it came to the playoffs of if everything didn't go his way, the blaming, the pointing the fingers, and the getting frustrated yeah. and that taking away. Go ahead. So you, you might be on to something. And like I said, I, I think it was even maybe Den, uh, Denny Hamlin realizing that throughout that interview of even those gradual steps of, okay, hey, I'm calmed down now. Joey's not an idiot. I just don't like what he did there, <laughs> you know. Taking taking that little little step. Yeah, yeah, you can see it throughout the interview that he kind of realized it, it was an overreaction, and I think it was a little bit of the old Denny, 
and that that blame game that a, a lot of these drivers do kind of get caught up in. Even Martin Truex, for that matter, I've heard him kind of get caught up in that sometimes. But the quicker they can let go of it, I think the better it is for them personally if they want to go out and win a champion. Uh, a champion doesn't get caught up in all these little things. Yeah, I mean, that's that's very true and and I think I think you're right like you said of, of you got to be able to let it go and it's something we've seen as far as Alex Bowman you know he's been in a couple of instances he still went out and performed and that's why like I said kind of catching some people off guard um mm-hmm. as they all picked him out in that first round but you know even with the incidences he had and, and whatnot you know he said put that behind him that was last week this week we're doing this and you know finishing well so Yes, indeed. Okay. Uh, did you have any other topics that you wanted to uh, make sure we put on the table here? I did. I did still have one. I'm going to wait time-wise, okay? Um, following the K&N West Series, we saw Haley Deegan got roughed up a little bit and out of the uh, the race there and didn't get to the topic. And now we saw the Arkham Menards race where she had a top five finish. So, Kind of actually changes my thoughts on the whole deal, um, but with that of um, following the K&N West race, and I want to say it was in Idaho. I don't remember if that was the one in Idaho or uh, mm-hmm. Oregon. Um, kind of got, I want to say, uh, what goes around comes around. You know, it came back to her, but then seeing mm-hmm. her have such a clean race in the Arkham Menards, now is that because that's with she knows she's stepping into a different group in a different arena, if you will that she was a little more conservative without ruffling the feathers, or did she learn from it and say, hey, I can't be as aggressive or, you know, like I've been, Uh, which we've talked about she maybe needs to get in check a little bit. Well, there's a couple of things that we've got to talk about with regard to that because, oh, how do I do this? (laughs) I think what's happened is that when when Haley Deegan Haley Deegan's been kind of brought up through the series with you can't let these guys walk all over you. You've got to be able to fight back. If they're giving you a hard time, you got to give it back to them. And and I think that's what she's done. She's given it back to them. But what she's also done in the process is because she alienate not well yeah because she she hasn't learned to differentiate when's the right time to do that versus the not right time to do that so she's doing it to benefit herself to win the race um and not necessarily to gain the position i don't know if i'm saying this quite right but that differentiation is what she's lacking. And and what's happened is she has alienated a lot of the drivers on the track to the point that they're not going to give her an inch. They're not going to give her an inch of an inch. <laughs> they are going to get race her as hard as they can possibly race her, and now she's reaping the benefit, uh, the the. What's the word I want to use here? She's reaping the the offset now of the payback of people 
giving back to her what she's given to them because they're out there racing for a championship too, and they don't want to be knocked out of it uh, for her to be able to get that win. I blame NASCAR for giving her the green light because NASCAR kind of came out and said, oh, she's the next best thing. We need Haley Deegan. I can't tell you how many times I heard from people, NASCAR needs Haley Deegan uh, to move up into those levels. And I think when you and I originally talked about it is is that, uh, you know, when we originally talked about it, we said that drivers are going to pay her back. There, there's going to be payback coming down the road. Well, that's what's happened now, and we saw it happen at Idaho uh, with the uh, Meridian Speedway. But now we're seeing other drivers saying, Haley Deacon got all this recognition for winning races this way. If that's the way I've got to win a race, then that's what I'm going to do. And now we've got drivers that are winning races this way. Here's what I think needs to happen, and, and Sal and I've had several conversations of, have had conversations, several conversations about this offline. One of the things that he's kind of pointed out to me is that over the years, the management of that style of racing has relaxed. There was a time in those series when those drivers were not allowed to race each other that way, and if they did race each other that way, they'd get called into the hauler, just like we talked about the big red truck in, in NASCAR's top series, where a driver would get called in for rough racing, and they'd be discouraged from racing that way. That Discipline is not there any longer in that series. I would like to see that discipline come back to those series, this lower-tier series, uh, because that's not the kind of racing I think we really want to see in the future. Um, and I'd like for drivers to be called on that and, and, and uh, disciplined on that. So... There's a lot of blame that goes around here, and it's not just the drivers that I think we need to blame. I think there's enough blame to go around to a lot of different levels here. So let me get your thoughts about that. There, There is a line, and I think part of it, though, is the drivers on track. And I think, like I said, as we've seen her step up into the Arkham Menard series, it's been a little toned down. Um, from that, because I think uh, those drivers have maybe said, hey, you know, we're not going to take that here. We've seen it with Michael Self. We've seen it with a couple others. And we've even seen it Mm -hmm. as drivers get to the cup level. You know, Joey Logano Mm -hmm. went through that when he first came in. So I think that, Mm -hmm. and it's better, the quicker it ends, you know, or gets addressed. Like I said, I don't necessarily have the problem with the bump and run, um, but you're right, of, of carrying that attitude. Um, you're right. I think there was a little bit of a chip there. I I understand where you're coming from is saying NASCAR was endorsing it or encouraging it. I don't know if I buy 100% into that, but they certainly weren't helping uh, tone it down, if you will, such as not having no. that big red trailer at that level. The one thing I don't like about the sanctioning body, and this goes at any level of racing, getting involved in on-track incidences is then it becomes a judgment call. 
and you don't know between the drivers exactly what had happened the previous lap. You can't watch, you know, only two drivers to make sure they don't ever touch each other. And if they mm-hmm. do, whose fault is it? Did that driver come up? Did this one come down? You know, and they don't need to be in that business of monitoring that between two drivers. You got X number of other things going on on that racetrack. That that's I'm what they need to be concerned about. I'm talking about more of the latent situation. And there are times when you're right, um, and we've seen it where NASCAR has stepped in when it's an obvious, over-the-top, blatant, you know, type situation where they will step in and, and address it. Um, but as a whole, like I said, I don't think they need to be in that business. However, they also need to keep it in check and, like you said, not necessarily encourage it or endorse it. Right. Right. Okay. Well, we are at the top of the hour, so we're going to kind of have to end it here, Jay. Uh, I'm not sure if we're going to get cut off here, but uh, 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 it's been a great conversation and a great discussion uh, that I've enjoyed. I always look forward to our Hot Topic Conversations. Uh, and I appreciate you stepping in tonight uh, for Sal on the earlier part of the show as we reviewed the weekend of racing. I look forward to doing it again with you on Thursday night when we come back at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time uh, to do our preview of the upcoming weekend of racing at Talladega uh, this weekend. That's going to be a fun one. Uh, And our hot topics at 10 o'clock. Hopefully Andy will be able to join us uh, for that. Um, I want to also do a shout out to all of our listeners for tuning in. We appreciate each and every one of you for taking the time to tune in to hear what it is we have to say. And uh, we hope you'll continue to do so uh, as we come back on Thursday night. Uh, Jay, let's go ahead and do the roundtable and uh, hear what you have. All right. Well, you can follow me on Michael Hoosman on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram on, or I'm sorry, Mopar MJ on Twitter and Instagram for the other two. And I will look forward to Thursday night. And like you said, hopefully Andy will be able to join the uh, Hot Topics discussion there. Okay. And uh, for those of you uh, uh, that maybe haven't heard the uh, earlier part of the show, we did have uh, Chandler Smith on. He gave us a great interview during the second half hour of tonight's show. Uh, If you haven't listened to that, we hope you uh, tune in for that and uh, hear what he had to say, uh, some interesting stories there. So uh, with that, I think we'll call it a wrap and uh, say good night, and we'll talk to you on Thursday night. Good night, everybody. All right. Good night.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.